know, ladies and gentlemen, edition the We Are Rising podcast, Chris Gary, Andrew Bindi, you can follow us respectively on Twitter at ChrisGary92, at Avenger1, and when we last left you, we were talking about possibly the biggest upset of this decade, possibly the biggest upset of the two decades of mixed martial arts that have been around you know, after the dark ages, after the no-holds-barred and that was Kaya Sakura beating Kyoji Horiguchi, even though, in a way, he kind of reminded people of Takanori Gomi losing in pride that one time to a Brazilian opponent whose name I kind of forgot. He kind of escapes me now, but still. Point of the matter is... There were 12 other fights on that Ryzen 18 card that we want to discuss. And to be quite honest with you, I mean, I feel like that we can talk about them all, can't we, Andrew? Of course, of course. The 12 fights were just as interesting. I mean, obviously the main event will eclipse, basically eclipse everything previous to that. But nonetheless, there were still 12 other, excuse me, 11 other important fights on that card. Sorry, 12. Sorry, 12. 12, 12 uh, fights overall, 10 of them being MMA and 3 being kickboxing. Um, excuse me, 9 uh, MMA and 3 kickboxing. So, you know, while everybody... Yeah, there were 12 other fights. Yeah, you know, while everybody wants to talk about, you know, the main event, obviously, for a good reason... Um, there's a, a bunch of other fights that happened that are, I think are going to have very important ramifications for possible future fights that will be happening at a Ryzen 19, Ryzen 20, Saitama Super Arena, New Year's Eve show. Who knows? But there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of fights that we can definitely discuss in depth and think about what will be next for the winners and the losers. And for that, uh, I just would like to also say that this Ryzen 18 show was sponsored by a company called Goodspeed, which is a car company. Um, and the winner of the, as I said, as we said in the previous uh, Kai Zakura Kyoji Horiguchi um, portion of the podcast that we released, um, that this that the that the winner of that got a main event uh, got uh, that winner of that main event that got, the winner of that got a Land Cruiser. Yeah, you should know what they got, right? I mean, you should know what they got by now. Well, listen, I don't know anything about cars. I I uh, I, I can't tell you between a Land Cruiser and and a, a I don't know uh, a zip car. I don't know or a Prius. Nah, they all look the same to me. So you mean to tell me being in New York City? I mean, I don't know what to the five boroughs you reside in, but you don't know anything about cars, dude? I I know more about bikes. I'm in, I'm in the coolest borough, Brooklyn. So, listen, we we love our bikes in Brooklyn. We love our we love our bikes. We don't like cars. I have a car though. It's funny. I do drive, but yeah, we mostly bike around Brooklyn. Yeah, all right. I mean, I think you probably have a better chance of getting your hubcaps and tires stolen rather than, you know, trying to uh, 
evade somebody on bike. All right, well, t- I'll tell you this. Listen, Brooklyn ain't like that anymore. This ain't the Brooklyn that you saw in uh, Do the Right Thing or, you know, that, that, uh, that, that type of Brooklyn. It's a lot more, it's a lot safer now. It is very much <laughs> very safe now. So basically, what you're trying to say is Bedford Stuyvesant is no longer Bed Stuy Do or Die. Right? Oh fuck no! <laughs> it's not even close. Listen, there are there are what is it? There are there are million dollar apartments now going on there uh, that are being that are being sold for that amount of money. It's becoming one of the hippest places to live, Bed <laughs> Right, right. Always leave them limping, but always 
leave them aghast. Yeah, oh, oh cer- much. certainly so. And actually, it's funny that probably that the so Luis Gustavo knocked out Yusuke Yashi. That was also a shocking. Uh, a lot of people were not expecting that uh, that outcome. Um, I can't, you know, so I'm, you know, I don't know if you want to say that that Prochaska knocking out uh, an old uh, an old beaten down uh, old Ironhead exactly is a surprise, but perhaps you know, maybe the summer was, but I would definitely say that it seems like rise that at this arena. Uh, it seems that that surprise main events uh, outcomes seems to be a theme so far. That and fights ending in knockouts. Well, actually, main events ending in knockouts, of course. Yes, exactly. But um, with that said, uh, Christian, what did you think overall of uh, fights one through twelve? Um, did you think that this was a good card overall? Uh, or bad or neutral. What are your thoughts overall? What were your thoughts overall when uh, when the show ended? Well, despite the fact that I had issues watching the show, and I'm not gonna say how I watched it because I don't want this particular person to get in trouble, but I thought the fights were okay. I mean, obviously, a few fights that ended in a decision kind of left me feeling like I wanted more, you know, kind of left me feeling like, you know, they could have done more to build up the excitement. But even the fights that ended in a knockout or ended in a submission, those fights also left me wanting more, and especially the no contest, which we will get to in detail, it felt like a big letdown. Especially because of, you know, what happened. But still, I feel like the fights that ended in a decision, they left me wanting more. Because I think that all these fighters that were on this card, male and female, you know, they've done their damn just trying to get trained. But you didn't really see, I mean, you rarely seen anybody really dominate outside the women's fights. And then still get fucked over by the referees or fucked over by the judges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll get into those into those uh, two decisions as well, to somewhat, or maybe three controversial decisions, perhaps we can say. Um, exactly. So when we get to those fights, but uh, being that this is a Nagoya card, uh, all Nagoya cards as well have started uh, with a kickboxing fight. And this one was no different. Mm-hmm. So, Christian, I will pass it on to you. Uh, want to want to kick off the uh, want to kick off the uh, Rising 18 card? Yes, I do. And we kick off this fight card. Literally. With, mm-hmm. Was it a 123 pound or a 113 pound kickboxing? 120. 126 pound. Oh, okay. Anyways, it was a 126-pound kickboxing bout where the veteran Ryuji Porio defeated the 16-year-old upstart, the youngest man to compete in a rising ring, Uchu Sakurai, via unanimous decision. Obviously, Uchu Sakurai drops to 4-1 in kickboxing. Polio, with his lengthy record, he improves on that. But still... 
what were your thoughts going into this fight? And I know that we didn't really get any Shirobi comments because I don't think I, mean, I don't think they were there because I didn't see them post anything. I don't think they were there. Yeah, of course they weren't there. So I probably would be disqualified from asking, you know, what did they say after the fight? But how did you think both of these fighters, you know, felt after the fight? What do you think was their mental mind state after this fight? I mean, even though, yeah, we didn't see the Ryzen interview videos on YouTube, the post fight interview, so we are sorry for that. Well, you know, I did watch I mean, some of them. we try our best to... You know, but they're okay. also in, in all, they're also all but, in Japanese, you know, so our Japanese is not, uh... Well, actually, with the exception... Yeah, but with the exception of those fighters that actually speak English or, you know, another language, though. Uh, yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, well, let's see. But still... You know, what were your thoughts about this fight, and what do you think that these two fighters were probably thinking afterwards? Uh, is probably is probably like thinking he's that he's like starting to come back, because uh, he at one point mm -hmm. was a was not doing too well in kickboxing. He had a bunch of really bad losses, um, in in K one, uh, and um, yeah, so perhaps that he thinks that uh, you know perhaps he's a uh, Think he's on a on a comeback, especially you know, um, and with Uchu Sakurai. Um, hey, what? Listen, you're 16 years old. Listen, not everybody can be tension. That's fine. He'll be mm -hmm. he'll grow better. He'll he'll become better with this loss. Um, I did. You know, the thing is that all that they both look good. Um, and, uh, pro uh, in the first round, uh, Sakurai looked like he almost had a finish near the end of the first round, uh, cause he had, uh, yes, uh, Horio rocked, and, um, it was, it just hit the bell before the referee stopped in, or it looked like the referee could have stopped in, but in the third round was when, uh, was when Horio made his comeback, um, just bombarded with Sakurai combos, and then a needed body, uh, which uh, the referee ruled a knockdown, and that's probably why, um, probably why uh, they they gave it to Horio based on that knockdown. Um, no, no issue with the decision at all. I thought you know it was unanimous that uh, you know I you know given the first round to Sakurai and then the next two to uh, Horio, I think that's a, I think that's a fair a fair statement. Um, do you think we'll see? Hor I think we'll probably see uh, uh, Horio back in a um, in a Ryzen ring. Uh, probably. I can't see why not. He's got two wins so far. What do you think? Do you think we'll see Sakurai, though, again in, uh, in, in Ryzen? Well, to be quite honest with you, if I were to base him off of that performance, I would say he was Ryzen-worthy in the first round. Yeah. It's just the other two, it's just the other two rounds concerned me, and that's probably why Uchu lost. So, in order for him to be rising worthy, he would have to build himself back up in promotions like Rise and Knockout and all these other smaller kickboxing promotions just to make his way back into the rising ring again. Or, you know, if Ryzen want to build off the fact that he's 16 and that he's only getting started with his career and they want to build him as the next tension despite the fact that he got some 
well, he got a few little dents in the armor. I don't want to say chinks because, you know, somebody got fired for saying that shit. I remember that. But, yeah. But still, if Ryzen wants to build Uchu Sakurai up as this dynamo, this boy wondered, much like how Tension is, Tension Asakawa, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they tell him, hey, you know, we're going to let you fight in Rise. We're going to let you fight in Knockout. But if you can have some spectacular performances in those two promotions, we will bring you back. But other than that, I think that Uchu is going to have to build himself back up. Whereas for Horio, I do see him getting another chance at the Rise and Ring. But he would probably have to showcase himself one more fight outside of Ryzen. Well, his other question just is, to prove he's worked. The other question I have as well is Sakurai also is an MMA fighter. Um, and so would you perhaps bring him in for a kickboxing match or would you maybe for an MMA match? Well, it depends. What promotion did he fight for? Fighting Nexus or... Uh, yeah, I think it was Fighting fight Nexus and Deep. And, oh, he, and he's two okay. and one. Two and one. All finishes. Okay, well, most definitely. You would have to bring him back for a mem- You would have to bring him back for a mixed martial arts bout. But you would have to keep his progress. You would have to keep track of his progress in promotions like Deep and like Fighting Nexus because, if I remember correctly, Fighting Nexus does have fights in a ring. I mean, those fights, from the way they are structured, and I've seen some of their stuff on YouTube, they actually do something pretty cool. Kind of similar to what Rings the Outsider was at one point in time. What, what did they do? Well, obviously, they put... I mean, they match up street kids versus, you know, high school kids, really. They basically put some of the top amateurs in a professional setting in the ring and mashed them up against each other. Oh, okay. I mean, at least that's from what I know. Because I know ring the outsider basically just put street kids in there and, you know, have them compete against some top guys. I think just last night I seen, I mean, early this morning I seen some old footage of them facing off against three American I mean, three of their fighters facing off against three Americans with nicknames only, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Can't make out the real names. Mm-hmm. But still, I've seen some fights from Rings the Outsider, you know, featuring some Americans. And that actually, you know, made me think more about fighting Nexus and what Sakurai should be doing. Mm-hmm. I see, I see. Um. Okay, so... uh. We'll definitely be seeing Sakurai, or hope we'll, we hope we'll be seeing Sakurai, whether it be in MMA or kickboxing mount. And like I said, he's 16. This one loss ain't going to ruin him, hopefully. Um, you know, listen, and hopefully, you know, he just continues on his career and just starts getting, you know, better and better. This isn't a loss that you should feel like that it's a, it was a bad loss. He just fought somebody who was, who was a better, who was better kickboxer that day and just was much more experienced. Mm-hmm, exactly. Now, do you want to talk about the second fight we had on the card? Oh, yes, oh, yes. Okay, go ahead. 
Ah, uh, yes, yeah, so the next fight was another kickboxing match. And it was between two. Let me get up their weights right now. They were two. Straw, uh, 117. That's a... That's a straw. That's a that's straw. That's yeah, that's straw weight in MMA. Uh, okay. And I think in a way that's phantom weight in boxing, if I'm not mistaken. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Uh, it was between Kazuki Ozaki, uh, Nagoya's own Kazuka Ozaki, taking on the real Goku. Real Goku, Takuya Shota. Also out of Nagoya, so two Nagoya boys taking on each other. And, um, well, basically, this was a fast-paced boxing, a uh, kickboxing match. Probably the most, uh, me memorable thing was that in round two, Osaki got a knockdown on Takaya, and then in the third round, Osaki got an another knockdown, uh, with on him, but he used a Stockton slap. The good old Stockton slap. <laughs> wow. And, uh, basically, Takaya became out of it. He was he looked exhausted, probably was injured as well. Who knows? Ozaki unanimous decision. No no issue with the decision there. Um, you know, pretty much you know, pretty much what you expect from a straw weight kickboxing match. Um any thoughts on this fight, Christian? I mean, in a way, it was kind of like the Goku got spirit bombed out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, pardon the puns, though. I really thought that Shelter basically just came in with a full gas tank and it just dropped round by round. I basically mean, especially so. after round two, he was just completely gassed out. It felt like that he lost all his fighting spirit in the first round trying to make himself look good. Yeah, um, he definitely... Um... Uh, definitely, uh, you know, maybe he, uh, maybe focus his energy on all, on that, uh, on that entrance that he came out. Actually, speak, before we, uh, before we, uh, go, continue on, uh, as I predicted, the entrances for this show, they all came out different parts of the arena, like they did at the last one. So, that's why, you know, mm -hmm. you know, people, you know, also, for Nagoya shows, people should not expect the biggest of entrances. I don't, I don't think that IET Professional Stadium is not... It's certainly not as big as Saitama. So, you know, if you exactly. get... Exactly. It's like a 7,000-seater. Yeah, you know, if it you can get... barely fit enough for basketball. If you, this is your first time watching Ryzen uh, and you're disappointed because you hear about all these grand entrances and all that stuff, don't, 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 you know, take it. Don't, don't, don't let this be a judge of that. Basically, yeah. what you're trying to say is don't expect the flashiest of entrances because exactly. they're in a small building. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. I mean, to be quite honest, I wouldn't have been surprised that they would have done like how Impact Wrestling used to have, you know, entrances, or like how WCW used to have their entrances before they closed down. Yeah. Just have a ramp connected to the stage, I mean, from the stage to the ring, and have them just go in there. Actually, question. Do you remember what Ryzen used to do the entrances where they would have the fighters like coming up from the ground and they'd be surrounded by those uh rings that were lighting up? Do you remember that? Yeah, they done that for the first two shows in twenty fifteen. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. I'm kinda of disappointed they don't do that anymore. I, I like that. I thought that was really cool. Um I don't know why they stopped doing that. 
probably because they wanted to try and, you know, make their own little elements when it comes down to the entrances. Give the fighters a lot more opportunities to be flashy, or unless you're in a small building like the one in Nagoya that they just fought in, you know, give them a little chance to pump their stuff and get the hell out of there. Okay, yeah, good point, good point. But, uh, so yeah, uh, so... Uh, so that brings the Kazuki Ozaki, a one and oh, who's, who's, this is, was his rising debut, one, one is, so he's one and oh, Takoish, Takia, Shota is now one and one, uh, having won at rising 12, uh, last year, but losing this one. So, question, do, are, will, do you think we'll, are Kazuki Ozaki and uh, is he, well, with this win, would you say that he's rising worthy to come back? Because don't forget, a win is, is, is okay, but if you don't, if the win was not in any sort of, you know, if, it, if this wasn't exciting. Basically, what you're saying is, a win doesn't get you a call back. Exactly. A performance does. Yes, that's why we don't see uh, certain fighters come back after their wins. So do you think that Kozuki Ozaki mm -hmm. uh, is worthy of coming back to Ryzen? I mean, judging from how he done his second round, I mean, ju judging from how he done in the second round, I think he would be worthy. But he would need to focus more on his knockout power. He did get two because knockdowns. You, uh, so I'll uh, give him that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because like you said, he did have two knockdowns in the second round. But I do think that he would need to focus on his finishing power. I got you. Before I... even getting that call back. Yeah, I get what you're now saying. As for, now, as for real Goku, unfortunately, all he's going to get is constant calls to do rising events in Goya because they actually feel that he's a fan favorite. But I do think that he needs a lot of improvement outside of rising because even though, yeah, I get it, the Dragon Ball fanfare is really hot, especially here in the States where, aside from the constant voice acting drama between the voice actress for Broly and the voice actor for Broly, who many people are basically hating, mm -hmm. and I don't disagree on that. I mean, still, everybody knows Dragon Ball Z is popular. Everybody knows just how popular that franchise is. But as far as the Kia Shota goes, he's gonna need to channel. He's gonna need to channel his Kamehameha wave energy, you know, in other promotions before even getting that call back to do another damn Rising show, especially in Nagoya. Question: We uh, with the two kickboxing matches that we saw, uh, Ryuji Horio and uh, and uh, Kazuki Ozaki. Would you? Do you think at one point? Would you like to see him ever fight tension? No. Because they would probably get destroyed by tension. <laughs> I don't doubt that. But here's the thing as well, you know, if there's anything we've learned from Ryzen is that Ryzen doesn't really put the highest quality opponents against tension. Uh, minus May Floyd Mayweather, of course, but that's the outlier. Oh, God. Don't um, fucking talk about Floyd Mayweather. So they... But, Sorry, but still, Ryzen, 
they try their hardest to put the highest quality opponents against tension. But we really don't know who the fuck they put in front of him. I mean, especially if, you know, they made their names elsewhere around the world. If they're basically, you know, popular in a certain part of the world, like Francisco Gigliotti or the two Argentine opponents that Tension just ran through recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if it's basically just a nobody like Nikita Sabrum, no disrespect because he still got an over 500 record, or Dylan the Rooster Oligo, who the only thing was cool about him was the fact that he came out to a Mikey Ruckus cover. Mm-hmm. But still, I do think that. I don't think that when it comes down to kickboxing opponents for tension, Ryzen needs to do a hell of a better job trying to get opponents for him, especially if it's going to lead to a potential bout between tension and Takaru. Tension and Taiga. Funny you bring that up. So, on a recent Instagram live video, um, I think, um, who was I think I think Tension was watching. The Ryzen 18 show live, if I remember. No, 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 it wasn't that because he was there. He was there present. Um, oh yeah, no, he was watching. He was watching a K1 show live. He was watching a K1 show live, and I guess he was doing an Instagram live uh, video. You know, it was answering questions from fans, and somebody asked about Takaru, uh, and apparently he said that he's no longer interested in that fight anymore. Are you shitting me? Uh, that's what Karev fan uh, translated. Um, uh, when he put when he put up on uh, he put up on Twitter. I retweeted it and uh, yeah, that's what apparently what uh Tension said. I don't know. If, I don't know if he's saying that if 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 he, if that's a um what do you call it a negotiating tactic or you know he's being Sundere or whatever. I have no idea, but you know that's what he said. That is what he said. You know what. I see where this is going. He's basically saying he doesn't want to fight Takalu or Taiga because he's more focused about the possibility of getting a boxing license to fight in the States. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, that is, you know, if he wants to focus on uh, America or even the Olympics next year, that's another thing. People don't forget the mm-hmm. Olympics are next year. And, you know, kickboxing is not in the Olympics as far as I know. But boxing is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it fucking sucks to kickboxing, jujitsu, or MMA ain't in it, but something like fucking revenue gymnastics is in it. And no disrespect to those athletes because they work their asses off, but I think I'd much rather be more excited seeing, you know, ISKA kickboxing or IMAF MMA or, you know, ju- Jitsu be one of those Olympic sports in the coming years. But still, if Tension decides he wants to pursue the Olympics, his professional dreams are going to be put on hold. Whereas if he, you know, decides to go for a boxing license in the States, I mean, wouldn't that potentially mean him signing with Floyd Mayweather? It, it could. Um, the other issue is, is the weight class issue. Um... I'm guessing he would probably have to do whatever the equivalent of 125 is. Problem is, is that like that division gets now oh, in in kickboxing and in boxing, 
123 pounds is featherweight. Okay. Um, that division is, is I don't want to say he's dead in boxing, in American boxing, but it does not get a lot of attention. So, you know. Right. Mm. But still, the point of the matter is attention saying, you know, his dreams of fighting Takaru or fighting Taiga over. I mean, basically, let Ryzen know so they cannot, you know, think about scheduling a fight between either one of those two combos. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course, of course. But, uh, yep. Yeah, I mean, because either way, either way, Tiger's win more recently at Ryzen 17 would be all for naught because he's saying that he wants to fight tension. And Takaru wouldn't be doing shit in K1 at this current moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All I'll say is that I hope it happens. hope it happens sooner rather than later. Um, mm-hmm. But about these... Enough about these strawweight and topics. Let's go on to the first of our 10 MMA bouts on this card. And that was the women's weight contest between PZB Princess E. I. Shimizu and Tabitha and Girl Watkins of Scorpion Fighting Systems. And to say... That I Shimizu got dominated in this fight is pretty much an understatement because there were times in this bout where Shimizu damn near tapped out. She was putting the arm bar a few times. She was putting the arm bar position a few times on Watkins, but she managed to barely fight her way out of it. So I actually, Christian, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's something we gotta talk about. So Kyle Johnson, uh. Noted uh, the gift maker on Twitter, Kyle Johnson, uh, whose Twitter is at Von Prue. Um, he, you know, makes all the gifts and all that stuff. Did a gif of of Tabitha getting that armbar in on Aishimizu. Uh, the first, I think it was the first armbar that she got on, and he wrote, "Oh, she tapped all right. I got lucky." And I remember this. I thought that I tapped out herself. Joe Ferraro on commentary thought that I tapped out as well, but then I, I, I guess some people thought she may have, it wasn't a tap, but perhaps was maybe like her trying to just grab or like reposition her arm or grab her arm or something. But Did you think that she was reaching out for the ropes? Because that's a big no-no in Rising. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. She was nowhere near the ropes. She was nowhere near the ropes. Her back was to the ropes, so there would be no way she could get the ropes. Um... So here's I'm, I, I solicited people on Twitter and we got their uh, thoughts. I'm gonna read them right now. CGS at the original underscore CGS said, "Heard Joe on commentary mention it, but it looks to be a tap to me." Ryan Fortune, one of my colleagues at MMA Sucker, uh, who's at Ryan for Ryan Fortune MMA, wrote a Brazilian tap to me. And uh, people that don't know, uh, Brazilians. Uh, Andrew, can you repeat that again? You're kind of cut. Can you repeat the quotes again? You're kind of cutting in oh, and out. Sorry, sorry. Uh, first quote is from CGS at the original CGS, uh, original underscore CGS, who wrote, heard, on, heard Joe on commentary mention it, but it looks to be a tap to me. Ryan Fortune, my colleague at MMA Sucker at Ryan Fortune MMA, wrote uh, a Brazilian tap to me. And for those that don't know what a Brazilian tap is, 
when Brazilians would fight foreigners in jiu-jitsu tournaments, they would do a very soft tap, and then the person would let go. And, the you know, a lot of people just instinctively let go when they feel attacked. So, and then when the guy would be, uh, and then the Brazilian would always deny that he tapped out. Also known as a Gracie tap. Um, uh-huh. uh, let's see, Logman, who's at Edge of Victory, wrote, still don't think it was a genuine tap. Uh, Middle Easy, great, uh, the great people at Middle Easy MMA, great publication, wrote, clear tap. Uh, in Spirit, at In Spirit, wrote, uh, she was gonna tap, then change her mind. Lazy ass wizard, at Corey six at Corey six, uh, and then number six wrote tap. And um, also, um, Chris Scoggins, uh, fa- uh, uh, Justin Scoggins' father also wrote, uh, it was one hundred percent a tap. So we have people who think it was a tap, and others who are like, no, nah, that wasn't a tap. So I want. Do you think Christian? Do you, uh, did you see the GIF? Yes, I seen the GIF. What and you... it kind of surprises me that even though Aishimizu went through that much trouble that she still got the win. Via unanimous decision, of course. Aishimizu improves to 4-0 with two straight rising victories. The victory she also had at the Yarnoka card against Nanaka Kawamura. Also applies. Tabitha Ann Watkins drops to three and three. Uh, but still, I do think Sorry, Christian, could you repeat that again? Yeah, Sorry, Christian, could you repeat that one more time? Yeah, I'm sorry. I can But I was basically saying I Shimizu Damn sure was in danger of losing. Well, yeah, and I, I, she would lost. I'll definitely say oh. this: a lot of us um, underestimated Tabitha Watkins. We kind of, I think, a lot of us thought this was gonna be a squash match, but uh, Tabitha mm-hmm. held on there and you know was pretty close to winning. Whether you know, I'll be honest, I can't really make. You know, I thought she tapped at first, Aishimizu, but listen, mm-hmm. you know, there are things that look like taps. And that aren't taps, like, here's the thing. If she was tapping, I would have, like, ugh. I would assume, here's the thing, Tabitha, and, Tabitha Watkins did not bring this up in the uh, in the post-fight interview. She didn't mention it at all. So, I kind of, you know, I kind of have to, you know, it's possible she tapped, but then, like, because Tabitha, Tabitha didn't feel it. I don't know if it's possible, but I don't know if I could say if it's a clear tap. I've seen... I've seen more better examples of somebody who, you know, I don't think this is like, you know, this isn't a case of, you know, an egregious case where, you know, oh, uh, Overeem, Stipe Milsic, where Stipe, where Overeem to this day still believes that Stipe taps. Um, I don't know how, but that's what he believes. You know, I can see why people think that this might be a tap. It looks like a tap, his emotions a tap. But also, you know, with Tabitha Watkins not bringing it up in the post-fight interview or mentioning it, kind of, you know, it kind of looks, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, I'm less likely to believe it. Because trust me, if I felt a tap and the fight was not ended, I'd be pissed off. Um, 
But you know, I gotta get you know. Obviously, I think we'll probably see I Shimizu back in a Rising Ring. Um, but what about what about the first of the Scorpion fighting system, ladies? Uh, do you think do you think we'll see Tabitha Watkins back in a Rising Ring, Christian? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, and I'm sorry I couldn't really hear you all that well because my connection just kept sputtering in and out. But I, Shimizu, is definitely going to be back in the Rising Ring because she has the backing of Miyu Yamamoto. She has the backing of the late, great kid Yamamoto. She's definitely going to be you know, potentially fighting in Ryzen, possibly for an anime title opportunity. You know, if Miyu fails, that is. But as far as Watkins go, I do see that, you know, it sucks to see a fighter get fucked over by the judges. It really does, especially if you dominate most of the damn fight. Uh, I do think that Watkins, you know, maybe she should go back to, I mean, what promotions did she fight under? Warrior Extreme Cage fighting King of the Cage, and who else? Uh, Watkins, uh, also Bellator. She did fight in Bellator. Uh, she, she, uh, that, uh, that was the, uh, Lindsey Van Sand fight. Um, that she lost in Bellator. Um, but, you know, I do have to say that Watkins, you know, coming to this fight, the underdog that she did, and her basically, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, she won. Here's the thing is that the crazy thing is that she won on the grounds. Um, she won on the grounds. Huh? Oh no! I was just saying that you know, and that that um, that Lindsay, uh, not Lindsay Van Sant, uh, Tabitha Watkins, uh, you know, she's also fought in Bellator, but Tabitha also, Watkins, she also fought in Bellator, but mm-hmm. you know, in this fight, she won on the ground, I believe. She was much better on the ground, but the problem is that also Aishimizu did defend adequately and outstruck her um a lot, outstruck her and basically was overall was dominating in the things and, and damage and all that stuff. So I could see why they gave it to Aishimizu. But, you know, do you think that uh, uh, Watkins has to have another fight somewhere else to co- uh, then can come back to Ryzen? Or what do you think? Can she, or do you think you pair up with somebody else in, uh, in Ryzen at a future time? Well, well, when it comes down to Aishimizu, she's definitely going to call back up to Ryzen because... Crazy B has another ace in this one. I mean, Crazy B has another ace when it comes to not only the women's animate division, the super animate division, but they in general. However, far as Tabitha Watkins goes, I think it would be best to have her fight on one of these warrior extreme cage fighting events that they do every Wednesday or every Wednesday on the podcast. Have her revitalize her career. And if she does well enough over there, you know, get her to get back in the rising ring. 
instead of having the UFC try and snatch her and force her to gain 10 pounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I could I kind of see that. But, I mean, you know, considering how how she was underestimated and, and pretty, she did pretty good, you know, and almost had, almost submitted um, Aishimizu. I wouldn't, you know, I would not be personally opposed to her coming back, you know, at a future date. Um, with another, mm-hmm. pairing her up with another, um, another Adam Weight fighter. Um, mm-hmm. Before we continue on, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, what did you think of Joe Ferraro and not Frank Trigg this time, but Ben Ten Win on commentary? What did you think and of they it? They done well. They really done well, but I think that Ben needs a little bit more seasoning, not just on the Australian regional circuit, but he probably needs more seasoning when it comes down to his commentary. You know, an international st- because yeah. Ben Tenderwin, who now resides in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. I mean, formerly is from all South Dakota, USA. Even though he has, you know, commentary, I think that he needs like some more work doing commentary on, you know, big time fight cards, and not obviously not UFC, but. He needs to get a chance to do some commentary elsewhere before coming back to Rise. And even if it means potentially returning to Rise and has a fight. Uh, well, here's, here's the thing I, I know. Mean, is, you here's the thing I know is about, about when on commentary. He was very, very, like, he spoke very, very softly, which I think is probably just how he normally speaks. So, you know, there's, you know, you know when people talk, you know, like Joe Ferraro, I'm willing to bet has a commentary voice. He doesn't talk like Joe Ferraro. Joe Joe Ferraro talks. He doesn't talk like that normally. You know, more. Well, I mean, if you think about it, Joe Ferraro is also a podcaster, public address announcer, and a realtor. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I don't think you know. I think that he needs if Ben Tenwin is going to, um, I guess. Um, do commentary again. He has to develop a commentary voice, so to speak. He has to, you know, he has to find that voice um, where, you know, because he just sounded very, very meek. I guess you could say, is that the is meek? Uh, and you know, this is his first time in commentary, so I understand, you know, as far as I know, this was his first time on a on commentary. You know, maybe he did it before for like a regional show or something. As far as I don't know, but you know. I think you know he gave good, he gave a lot of good insight and all that, and all that stuff, and he knew when to speak and when not to speak. Um, mm-hmm. Listen, you listen, you know, Ryzen has had terrible commentators. You know, if you want, listen, if you want to say the bottom, the oh ba- shit, don't even, don't even get me fucking started on the terrible commentators. If you want, Drew Cordero, Don Party. Well, I mean, obviously they have more Ronaldo and Frank Shamrock. We don't want to discredit them because they're probably two of the greatest commentators outside of, you know, the regular three letters. And obviously that proves it because Moro is doing commentary for Showtime Boxing, Bellator, MMA, and Kickboxing, and the WWE. But still, Ryzen has had some piss-poor commentators, especially... 
color commentators like Joe Warren. No, we I'll don't even want to fucking mention them. I'll definitely say that probably Warren is probably the bottom of the barrel, and I'll say it's Ben Ten win was nowhere near that. Um, I think you know, as uh-huh. opposed to Frank, you know, Frank Trigg, you know, he, you know, he, he you know, he's a he's a he's a retired fire. He's now a, re- a referee as well, so you know, he he brings an interesting perspective. Uh-huh. I don't agree with all the things he says, but you know, I think that I think that Ben Ten did an okay job for a first time. Listen, you know, if he's if he ever needs to do it again, you know, listen, I'll not be opposed if they if they said, hey. You know, let's let's give him another try. You know, or just call or call Anthony Burchek, who was actually he was very good in commentary when he commentated for Ryzen. Um, I think he commentated twice for Ryzen, Anthony Burchek. Mm-hmm. And once, unfortunately for him, was with Drew Cordero. Well, that's why I remember Anthony Burchek and uh, not Drew Cordero in that uh, in that. But uh, yes, that was the um, the uh, the Tabitha Watkins fights. You know. Give uh, I give Watkins a lot of credit. She came in, she she didn't she wasn't a she didn't lose badly. I'll say that. Um, now this is where the car is starting to and pick up. Like the old adage goes, and we did mention this before. You know, just because you win or lose doesn't mean you won't get called back if you do a good performance. Exactly. And speaking of great performances, I'll say you want to go on to the next MMA fight, Christian. Ah, yes. The bone marrow transplant survivor Takaki Soya knocked out Utaro Smoto Mulamoto. And the reason I say sexy Moto and not Bond Mulamoto is because they were making Utaro out as like the second coming of Yoshihiro's Akiyama. And that kind of crazed the is there anything sexy about him? I'm not trying to sound, you know, weird or anything, but still. I mean, here's there ain't a, nothing pleasing about Utah Muramoto. I don't, I don't get it. Like, here's the thing. I get why people find Akiyama sexy. He is a good-looking guy. I look at Muramoto, and I just see... I don't see... My, I don't see what... What it is exactly? Or you know what? Here's another one. Elias Theodoro is a guy who I can say, oh yeah, I see why girls love this guy. Why Invicta has him as a ring guy, and he does. Uh, I think he does uh, photo spreads for like young adult for like romance novels or some shit. I don't know. But yeah, I can understand why. Why? Well, yeah. Also, he does a lot of commercials in Canada. Exactly. Not that he'll ever see them. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I look at Miramoto, and I'm like, I, like, I don't see how that's considered, why like, he's considered sexy. I'm not saying he's ugly, but I just don't see why he's considered, you know, hot, or a 10, or a snack. I don't know. I, I don't see how, like, I just don't see it. I, I, I have no idea where, what. Yeah. If anything... If he's supposed to be considered a snack, you might want to throw him up. Yeah, exactly. if anything, I thought, if anything, Soya looks more snack-like than uh, Muramoto, in my personal opinion. <laughs> but, wow. but, but, but enough about, about, uh, we're not, this fight is not about, about, about them, who's, who's a snack and who's not. This is a fight to see, 
uh, to see who would win. And we got a pretty damn impressive win once again from Takaki Soya. Uh, once again... Sorry, go ahead. One minute, 28 seconds of round number two. Soya knocked out Muramoto, and he basically said after the fight that he's happy to be fighting in Ryzen. He doesn't see, you know, this disease that he came back from debilitating him. And he basically said that nobody, not even the doctors, who basically said you only got X amount of months or years to live, from living out his dreams, and I think that Sawyer, he's going to continue to be a staple for Ryzen. Uh, Hopefully. A little bit of a... Of the, he'll get a chance to fight on a big card. In the first round... Uh, what were your thoughts about this? Huh? Well, I just want to say, I was, I was about to say that Miramoto did have Sawyer temporary rock, rock, it looked like, in the first round, but Sawyer obviously came back and, and knocked him out in the second. I uh, just want to also know that there was a bit of a wait Disadvantage for Muramoto, who normally fights at bantamweight, um, mm-hmm. and um, no, I'm sorry, he normally fights at a flyweight. I'm sorry, I think Muramoto normally fights at flyweight, so um, we won't. No, I'm sorry. Balloon and up on thirty, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually sorry. I'm gonna go back on that again. Not flyweight, strawweight. So Muramoto is a strawweight fighting at bantamweight. So. So he had to gain 13 pounds in order to fight. Basically, yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, this was a uh, pr- uh, another awesome finish for Takagi Soya. Definitely they're building him up to be someone in that division, you know. Um, you know, with obviously the, the division's a little bit in flux now because of uh, what happened during the main event. But I think with maybe two, maybe one more big win... You know, and also at a bantamweight, it has to be at bantamweight. None of this catchweight shit, because this was another catchweight match. Um, that they, I think it was at one hundred thirty. This was at one hundred thirty pounds, if I remember correctly. Um, double check on that. Yeah, it was at one hundred thirty pounds. It was. Um, I mean, well, here's the thing: it's under one hundred thirty, so maybe you know, it's possible that they could have him. That they could use. They're trying to use him as a. Um, as the star of, the, of a flyweight division, potentially. Since it is closer to a, a flyweight um, weight. Uh-huh. Um, I'm guessing, though, he could probably do weight if he wanted to. But my guess is probably that, that, that you know, he might, uh, that they might have him in flyweight instead, I think. Um, yeah, I think I can see him fight at flyweight. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, but what about uh, Muramoto? Sexy Moto, not Sexy Moto. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about him? You think we'll see him in Ryzen again? Fuck no. <laughs> but to put it lightly, I don't think that Utaro. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, we're not rotten matchmakers, obviously. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the potential behind Utaro Muramoto being in the rising ring. I mean, yeah, sure, you can probably fight for one FC and make a ton of interest there. And they can probably build him up with whatever hyperball bullshit they got. But I just don't see Utaro Muramoto, you know, being a star. 
Well, it, you know, being that... He's a star, obviously, Pancrase, D, or 1FC, but I don't see him fighting in Rising. I don't see his future being Rising worthy. Well, here's the thing. You know, he is a strawweight normally, so do you think if, they, if Ryzen does maybe, you know, start off a strawweight division, do you think that maybe that's when you could bring him back? Probably. Probably. No denying that, but still. If not, I don't see Utaro Momoto's career being in a Ryzen ring. I see him being in 1FC, deep, Increase or shooto, mm. not rising. Uh, just to let you everybody know as well, uh, I am tallying how many fights we have won. Or we got right, Christian, and so far mm-hmm. you you and I have both gotten everything right besides the the Osaki uh, Shota fights, which I picked. Uh, I picked Ozaki, and you've picked Takaya. Takiya Shota. Right, of course. So that's the only one you got wrong so far. Um, but um, yeah, you know, we, you know, here's the thing with Soya, you can always, you can, you more or less are guaranteed a very, very good fi- uh, finish. Uh, usually picture perfect, and this one was no different. Uh, so, but we'll definitely be seeing him back. In uh, Soya, uh, in, uh, in Ryzen, and also, um, this was you know this was up until this point this was my my favorite fight on the card, um, but that that will change as, as we continue on, and with that, uh, Christian, you want to go on to the next the next fight, a bantamweight fight. Yep. And that next fight was at Bantamweight, 134 pounds, 61 kilos, as former UFC fighter, and obviously Chris Goggins' favorite fighter, his son, Justin Tanks Goggins, ends his fourth fight losing streak by defeating Kazuma Sone, the former Pacific Railway champion, via unanimous judgment call. Of course... Goggins improves to a 12 and 6 overall, and eight of the Spartanburg, South Carolina will live to fight another day. Sone, the native of Nagoya, IG, Japan, drops to 23-19-1. I don't know if his fighting future is, you know, rising worthy, but to be quite honest, what were your thoughts about Justin Tanks Goggins going into this fight? No, well, he looked really good in this fight. Um... You know, the you know his his thing for the for his last few fights has always been he's doing good or he's winning, but then he slips up and he gets choked out. And you know his first rise and fight at Rise of fourteen um, went to the ground with Matoya. Matoya got him in a scissor choke and tapped out in the first round. Obviously, not the way that he wanted that fight to go. Um, was supposed to have the fight of Kai Zakura. Uh, but then got injured, uh, had a knee injury, um, so who knows? Maybe that'll be a fight down the line. Uh, but this was a, this was an interesting fight because both these fighters were on were on multiple winning losing streaks. They both are karate guys, um, first and foremost, uh, mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, it was just it was an interesting fight to see, you know, the pit two losers together and to see who can break out from that. And Scoggins, I think, was the much the much better fighter in this case. Now here's the thing as well I want to bring up. Um uh, I believe it was the second round. Um he uh Sony went for some like rolling thunder tension type kick, missed it by a mile. Justice Goggins got Sony's back and then didn't go for a rear naked choke. And then almost looked like he let he almost let like he let Sony up, but still still held on to Sony and so had Sony in the had Sony in the uh held in between the ropes and didn't deliver any punches, kinda of just let him go. Did you notice that? Do you remember that, Christian? I kind of noticed that. But then again, seeing the fact that I had a faulty connection, you know, maybe that was something that I didn't see. Maybe that was something that I didn't see. Um, I just thought that was a real, a real, uh, a real, really strange. I, I don't know if it was because, like, he didn't think that he had the finish or he didn't, you know, he didn't want, he saw that he was in the ropes. Maybe he thought that. It was out of bounds, so he let him go. But he also had the rear naked choke. He had a he had a great opportunity to go for a rear naked choke, but he didn't. So it was really strange. I thought it was really strange. Um, it definitely felt like that 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 um, that that, that Scott was playing a little bit safe. I understand, you know, if you're on a losing streak, you know, you don't want to be too reckless. Um, but uh, yeah, what do you think about Scoggins uh, breaking that that losing streak and? Do uh, will we see him again in a rising ring? It was well deserved that he broke out of that losing streak because you know this. I mean, with all the been going through, this possibly could have been his last fight had he lost. Because of course he was riding a four-fight losing streak. You know, three straight losses in the UFC saw him get cut from the octagon, and obviously the one loss on New Year's Eve to Yuki Motoya inside the rising rain. But still, he deserved to, you know, get that monkey off his back. And God willing, I think that he's going to probably get that second chance in rising, that third opportunity in the rising rain down the line. So a question. For a third fight, who would you put him up against? I mean, to be quite honest with you, I think you would have to put him up against Takaki Sawyer. Even though that there are two different weight classes, I don't, I don't think they're going to put Sawyer in the in bandway. I think they're going to put him in flyweight, judging by um, just the fact that they're having him fight at 130. Well, if you think about it, I mean, I think Scoggins would probably, I mean, I think either Chris... His father or Justin Tank Scoggins himself would probably agree. You know, Scoggins would probably want to drop down to flyweight just to take that opportunity. Okay. Or, you know, have another damn catchweight fight. Uh, I was thinking about what about, um, well, listen, here, you know, obviously, you know, when a fight doesn't work out, you tend to, you know, you tend to want to, you know, do that fight at a later time, but I don't think we can do Kai Zakura mm-hmm. versus Justin Scoggins at this point again until thing unless, until unless things, 
you know, certain things don't work out between uh, Azakura and Horiguchi. But I think maybe down the line that that fight could be done again. What about Arisan Yamamoto versus Justin Scoggins? You know what? You hit the nail right on the head, man. I think that would be a fun fight between Arisan Yamamoto and Justin Tank Scoggins. I think also, you know... Because, hmm? I mean, yeah, because in a way, I think they would for a fight against each other on one of the recent rising cards, but that fight never took place. I think that would be a more interesting fight because also, um, also, also during the post-fight interview, uh, Scoggins said that he would like to rematch Matoya. Um, I'll be honest though; I don't think I think it would go the same way. I think Matoya probably would win. I think I think you gotta put him up against a guy. Well, right now, who doesn't really have good grappling or good submission, and I think that Ursa Yamamoto is a guy like that. While he has advantages in other aspects of MMA, you, you, Scoggins would have would not have to worry about being uh, caught in a submission against Ursa Yamamoto. Um, don't I mean just because Ursa Yamamoto's record is still a little average, don't doubt the man because he's still a decorated amateur grappler, a former FIFA Cadet World Champion gold medalist. That's true, that's true, but what's, uh, well, in terms of submission, MMA submission game, I think that Scoggins probably is the better fighter, a better a better fighter in that in that uh, aspect. But yeah, i say make Arison versus Justin Scoggins next, in my personal opinion. Uh, Sone, you said, uh, not rise, not, shouldn't come back? Go back to, uh, to, uh, Shuto, or something like that? Huh. If he wasn't fighting in Ryzen, let's just face facts. If he wasn't fighting in Ryzen right now, he'd be a dead ringer for that 1FC Century card in October. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, we did both pick Justin Scoggins, by the way. So we we both thought that uh, he was going to uh, snap that losing streak, and he did. So uh, congratulations mm-hmm. to Justin Scoggins. Uh, Justin Tank Scoggins getting back in the winning column. Um, mm-hmm. uh, would you like to go on to the next fight? This uh, this interesting lightweight matchup. Mm-hmm. And the final lightweight Grand Prix qualifying spot goes to Yoroto Uesako, who, even though he had soccer kicks in his arsenal, he didn't really have to do much on that, as he straight up knocked out. You know, Yibendu. The, uh, punches from the rear naked choke position. It was, yeah. Three minutes, 45 seconds around number two. Yes, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, and, um, With okay. With win, improves his record to 16 and 7. Landu, the two division champ, I mean, the two promotion champion in France, auto fight and 100% fight, drops to 15 and 8, and continues the French tradition of looping and rising because him, John, I mean, Samantha Jean-Francois, Kevin Petchy, and Jerome Geronimo LeBanner, all four of them lost their rising fights. They all represent France, the land of love, wine, and 
you know, must, I'm cur- I guess. I, I, Kevin Petchy might be the only guy, because I know he got one win in the uh, in the Ryzen Bantamweight tournament, I believe. Yeah, he beat uh, Jae-Hoon Moon um, by split decision, by the way. I remember that fight being a very boring fight. But then got knocked out by Ishwatari in the next uh, fight. So... Kevin Petchy. Oh, well, basically, French fighters are one and four in Ryzen. Yeah, Kevin Petchy is technically the most successful uh, French fighter in all of Ryzen as of now. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, good on, unfortunately, he hasn't had the call back. Yeah. So, and he's currently the 100% fight bantamweight champion. So, question. I think we're going to be talking about Island Du in this fight. So... First of all, before the fight, when they were doing, I guess, photo ops and all that stuff, did you see that Landu was doing, like, this breakdancing stuff and was, like, doing all this shit from, like, that you see in, like, a step-up movie? <laughs> no, thankfully I didn't notice. Uh, I mean, I think he was probably doing Capoeira or something, I don't even not know, B-Boy. I don't even know if this counts as Capoeira. It might be B-Boy. Um, during this match as well, he did a... He did a Billy a Robinson special to Hiroto Yoisako. He missed it, but he everybody who watches New Japan knows Will Ospreay does the Robinson special that that Capoeira type kick, and Landu did exactly the same thing, but obviously did not hit it. So, what about Landu? What do you think about this guy? What, 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 this guy was like doing takedowns at the beginning, but it was like literally like literally like diving. For takedowns, trying to like go, for, like trying to do like something like Jacare would do, like go for that ankle, like fl- like f- like flat flat face face to the ground, go for that ankle. What do you think of of Landu? Eh, to be quite honest with you, I didn't see much of the fight because I was having connection issues. But I think Landu is a very curious character, to say the least. He was like um. That uh, Mi- Michel Pejea from uh, formerly UFC now fights in the UFC, um, mm-hmm. who's known for his uh, wild antics in the ring as well. He was kind of like that, but like less successful at, at the at the fancy uh, stuff. Well, at least he didn't moonsault onto his opponent. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, imagine doing that off 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 those ring ropes. Oh boy, that'd be something. Um, yeah, and then the fucking, and then the fucking conspiracy theorists would basically say, "Oh, this guy's fake, me, me, yeah, fuck off." So, uh, Uesako, this is his third. Uh, he's on a three-fight winning streak on all finishes um, by TKO. So, yeah. Oh, by the way, as well, um, Landu uh, argued with the referee about the stoppage, which. I don't understand why, because he wasn't he wasn't defending at all with those punches. I mean, here's the thing: they weren't stuff that was like it was a knockout power. Those those punches he was delivering, but nonetheless, they were he was not improving position. He was not properly defending, so the referee had to stop it, stop, step in there. I wish people would realize mm-hmm. that if you don't do shit when you're getting punched in the face, the referee is going to is going to step in. You got. That do, do something. That do something. Even if you gotta go roll your side, roll to one side. Do it. Still better than doing nothing. You know, Jesus Christ. Uh, but um, so Yue Saka, you think that uh, this 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 fight earned him a spot in the uh, Grand Prix? Most definitely, it does because he basically said in the 
post-fight interview or the post-fight speech that he's wanting to be the strongest lightweight in Japan. And he did say that he wants to fight potentially Patricio Pitbull or Patricky Pitbull. Yeah, Patricky Pitbull down the line, even though I think that it would be the equivalent of Brazil versus Germany in the World Cup three mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, who would you... Well, actually, mm-hmm. Brazil versus Germany in the World Cup five years ago, but still. Mm-hmm. Point of the matter is, he definitely got his lightweight Grand Prix slot. Uh, so, okay, so we definitely know what's going to happen with him. So what do you think about Yves Landu? Do we bring back Eastland Do for another chance in the lightweight division for another fight? If he stop, if he stop his face, then yeah. But other than that, no. I don't think that Eastland Do deserves another damn rising rising opportunity. I mean, he'll be just like the other four French fighters that didn't well, right. Three French fighters, with the exception of Jerome Labana, because he pretty much lives and breathes Japanese culture, but still. Yvelin Du can go join Samantha Jean-Francois and Kevin Petchy and fighting in France again, because obviously France just recently legalized professional MMA. Yeah. Um, I'm I mean, even though, yeah, they've been fighting... You know, under no holds bar style for the last couple of years, and by the time January rolls around, they'll be able to, you know, fight so, um, freely, France without any regulations. But, well, actually, with regulations, of course, the French National MMA Federation, but still. Mm-hmm. People in Duke can go fuck off back to France well, and fight on those French. Cards. You know, other and than I'm sorry for my choice of words, but I think that I think that just proved it. He complained about the fact that he got knocked out, so he might as well go ahead and go back to he might as well go back to the French promotions that he came from, fight better competition. So I mean, here's the thing: I did like his antics in the ring. I thought they were funny. Um, I have no problem giving him like one more fight. You know. I don't know who who in lightweights. Uh, are we are we agreeing that Kitawoka should not be fighting anymore? Hmm. You really think so? Okay. You know what? I don't think he's in the going to be the lightweight Grand Prix. But what about Landu versus Darren Crookshank? Let's see. I would like to see just because they are they are so opposite. They are they just fight that they're literally the Darren Crookshank is like a brawler and Landu will be like flying around trying to do like capoeira kicks. I think it'd be a funny fight to make. I think it'd be a funny, interesting fight. Yeah, it wouldn't be a funny fight. But do you think that it would catch interest within the people? I th- I think there would be a knockout in that fight. I think there would be a KO in that fight. Probably Crookshank knocking out Eve Landu. And I think how hilarious would be if, if if Landu went for a capoeira kick, but then a- as soon as he's doing the turn, uh, uh, Jaron Crookshank just goes for a 
a, a knee, a jumping knee, and knocks him out midair when he goes for a capoeira kick. That could just make a, for a great highlight, uh, a highlight, uh, and fight, uh, knock out the knife thing, I think. It would be the it would be the MMA the Japanese MMA equivalent of Shelton Benjamin going for a springboard maneuver only to get super kicked by exactly. Shawn Michaels. Exactly, I think it'd be hilarious. But uh, listen, if you don't want to do that fight, you know what? Why not Islandu versus Yusuke Yachi? I'm sure that Yachi could defeat him easily and get back on the winning co- winning column. You know, why not? Mm-hmm. That he could. That he could. But uh, Yoisako. We'll be seeing him in the lightweight tournament. Uh, it'll be interesting to know who he uh, starts off against. Um, mm-hmm. it seems because like... if you think about it, the fighters that have qualified for the rising lightweight tournament, Uesako, Alberto Satoshi de Sosa, Tatsuya Crusher Kawajiri, and Hollywood Johnny Case. Now that so far, in a pitbull, that's six fighters filling up eight slots. I mean, six fighters... And then, yeah, six fighters filling up eight slots. Who and, do you think the other two will be? Well, you know, that'll be, you know, I could see it being maybe Tofik Musayev, um, but we also we I wonder who the alternate's going to be because they're going to have to have at least uh, two two of that alternate uh, one alternate um, uh, match. Um, maybe Tofik Musayev and Damian Brown. Possibly, you know, I feel like they're also going to I feel like they're going to try to put Takanori Gomi in this. I feel like they want to have Gomi in this as well. So I won't be surprised if Gomi somehow gets this. I don't think Mikuru is going to be in this. I know that Sakaki Bar said he wants Mikuru to be in it, but I don't see Mikuru wanting to go in it. I think that Mikuru is going to. I think Mikuru would rather fight for like a Bellator or something. Uh, tr- you know, I think he wants to- either that, either that, or he would rather fight. You know, potentially in a featherweight Grand Prix. Yeah, exactly, or that too. Uh, that too. Uh, but all the focus on the White Lake Grand Prix now. I'll be surprised if Mikuru is really in it. I would really be surprised. Um, yeah, because he's a natural featherweight going up to lightweight. Even though he is undefeated in Ryzen and also in, undefeated in two lightweight matches. Uh, virtual. Uh, one well, one was a catchweight. The other one was... Actually, no, they're both catchweight. The uh, Luis Gustavo and uh, Yusuke Yachi match I'm talking about. Um, but this was uh-huh. a good fight. This was a good fight. Definitely, Uis- Actually, the funny thing was that Landu actually, I think, was able to take down uh, Uesako like once with his weird takedowns. Uh, but uh, Uesako uh, was clearly the better fighter in this case, um, and we'll definitely be seeing him in the Grand Prix. Uh, it'll be interesting to know who they match him up with uh, first. But um, oh, and we both picked uh, Uesako to win this, so uh, we are. We're both doing pretty good in our picks so far. Um, unfortunately, now we're gonna have to go into a fight that unfortunately was not a fight at all, basically. And uh, yeah, it basically did not go the way that either of these fighters wanted to go, and that was the fifteen, no, the ten, maybe fifteen second no contest. Between Harbor Oshi and Jerry Guy Brooks, I had the honor of being the first interview for him. Obviously, the first interview for him away from the UFC. 
all the preparation, all the sacrifices that these two made, all the interviews that these two had leading up to it. And in this men's strawweight contest, which should have been the start of the men's strawweight division in Ryzen, if the previous fight between Bochi and Misuhisa Sanabe had anything to do with it, how in the hell did this manage to last only 10 seconds? Simple. Accidental clash of heads. An accidental, an accidental headbutt. And if you know anything from the old boxing rules, you will know that in certain fights, after four rounds are completed, they would go to the scorecards if an accidental headbutt were to happen. If a fight happens, and if an accidental headbutt or a low blow happens before the fourth, you know, in the fight in the note. Sorry, we lost Christian, but um, I'm just gonna yeah, uh, boxing at the four rounds they have. Uh... Sorry, Christian, you sorry, Christian. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, let me add to what I was saying. Basically, this was straight out boxing, and now for this month, the third no contest in rising history. The first one, if you remember correctly, was. Felipe Efrain defeating Yuki Motoya, and that fight got overturned immediately due to Efrain being the first rising fighter to miss weight. He was never to be found again. <laughs> Gabby Garcia faced off against Oksana Gagloeva, and an eye poke stopped that fight from happening. And now this. But I just have and you probably might have seen the Jared Brooks the Jared Brooks post-fight scrum that he had on the Rising YouTube channel, but, you know, what were your thoughts about this fight? What do you think that both fighters were going through after this fight? Because I know Jared the Monkey God Brooks was especially pissed that this fight didn't go the way that he or OG get to go. Well, I want to first point out at least one positive thing is that uh, Jared... Monkey God Brooks did have Entrance of the Night coming out to Brass Monkey uh, uh, by the Beastie Boys. By the Beastie Boys. And was mm -hmm. passing out bananas, and he wore a monkey, uh, a really scary monkey mask, uh, and passing bananas to the audience. So he had some fun with his entrance. So he clearly gets the Entrance of the Night. Unfortunately, that was the most exciting thing. Also, by the way, when we say Clash of Headbutts, we got to also explain, it wasn't necessarily the Clash of the Headbutts, so the fact that the Clash of the Headbutts caused a cut on Ochi's forehead and the doctors wave it off. After the fight, Jared Brooks was so angry. He's like, he punched, he's punching the, uh, one of the corners. He's screaming, fuck, fuck. And then Ochi is crying. Yeah, like, I heard that. Ochi's crying, like literally crying, like bowing down, I believe to the audience, saying that he, you know, he's he, like, like, I'm assuming he was so, he was sorry. Um... Jared Brooks in the post-fight interview, you know, obviously was upset, but said he would like to, you know, give this fight another go-around. I think they're definitely going to try to make it a, another go-around. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, what happened was that um, Jared Brooks went for a, uh, went for a, as soon what I think they went, he went in for a takedown, and they just clashed heads, but he uh, he just like it was, a, but the he, the cut is what the cut is what did it in, unfortunately. Um, 
Oh, no, no. They both tried to punch each other. They both went for a punch. They clashed heads. And then Jared Brooks went for a takedown. Got a takedown on Ochi. Referee saw the blood immediately and stopped it. And here's the thing about JMMA that I'm always, I've always hated. And I know people like to say JMMA is better than, than you know, Western MMA because we allow soccer. They allow soccer kicks. Um, there's rings. Um, as opposed to cages sometimes. Um, fighters come... Uh, grand entrance and all that stuff. Here's the thing about JMA I never like is that the slightest, the slightest blood and then the referee will wave off of, like, will stop a fight. There have been fights in UFC that have been bloodbaths. You have D uh, Diego Sanchez bleeds in every fucking fight that he's in. Uh, Diaz, the Diaz brothers bleed as well. Uh, probably the best bloody fight of all time, BJ Penn versus Joe Stevenson. Or if you want to say Mark Hunt versus uh, Bigfoot Silva the first time. And these these fires are just bleeding buckets. Like all over the mat. And unless it's, above, unless it's on the eye, they will let the fight continue. JMMA has never been like that. If there's a cut on the forehead, they will stop that fight. Um... We saw the t uh, there was the, uh, the the Rocky Martinez Krokop fight where he was doing Rocky Martinez was doing very well. He got one elbow to his head, cut him open. Referee, the doctors waved it off. I don't like this. I really don't listen. They need the you know Ian McCall said this after the McNeil Cape fight that Ryzen's got to start. They have to start putting Vaseline on their fighters' faces. And I, ha I after this, I do agree with that. Um, or and or get an experienced cut man who can who can do something with a wound like that. I guarantee you that if Stitch Duran was there, he would have been able to get out his 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 cut box or his you know whatever thing he carries around with him and easily close up that wounds, and the fight could have continued, clean them up and all that stuff. This was a fight. That so you're basically saying if Jacobs. You're basically saying if Jacob Stitch Duran was high up by rising, you know, he would be able to fix up some of these cuts as opposed to, you know, these fighters yeah. over-greasing themselves Ab with Vaseline. Absolutely. You know, obviously, you know, like when Jake Kuhn split open um, uh, um, Vitaly Shemitov, okay, that was a brutal cut that you probably cannot open or cannot close. Um, Rocky Martinez mm -hmm. one, you probably could have closed that one up. This one was right on the forehead. So I also want to tell you a little wrestling thing. So Dean Ambrose, uh, John Moxley, whenever he would blade, he would do right on right on his forehead. So he's blood he's blood in, in all of it in his CCW and independent matches. The reason why he has no scars on why you see no scars on him is because he does it right at the hairline. And this was on the hairline, uh, this cut. And that this is something I th it was just, I think it was an overreaction by the doctors to stop this fight. If they were, if there was more experienced cut men, or if there was a cut man, or Vaseline, I think this fight could have continued. And it should have continued. Instead, we were robbed of a potentially great fight. Uh -huh. And also, this is not the first time uh -huh. where a, a, an accidental, he accidental headbutt fucked up a finish. Uh, obviously, probably the most famous one is Fedor versus uh, Yoshi Kosaka, where they bonked heads. But the uh, well, well there wasn't like an accidental headbutt that cut open uh, Fedor or something. That and um, that uh, referee waved it off as a TKO cut. Uh, 
when it should have been. Yeah. No, this is not the first time that that that. Um, last time that was Suyoshi. Oh, last time that Suyoshi TK Kosaka lost. Was the only loss on the record for Fedor. Exactly. So we got, you know, I don't know. What do you think about this, Christian? What do you think it should be done to prevent this from ever happening again? Because if this happens again, you know, I, here's the thing: the the the, the ring, the thing with Ian McCall, that was so. I think that was such an outlier. How often do people's uh, faces get rubbed against the uh, the ring? Of the ring ropes. I think that was a. I think I think that was, that that's that's less likely to happen again in the future. But listen, it's you know what? People are bound to bump heads again in a fight. It just happens. What do you think? What do you think should be done to prevent a fight from being stopped, the way that this one was? Vaseline, come in. What do you think? I mean, to be honest, you would have to. I mean, you would have to do this whole thing with. I mean, obviously, I don't see what the fuck's the whole Ryzen, you know, being so giddish when it comes down to fighters using Vaseline, because if you remember correctly in the Jairzine Hohosin strike, Sergei Kovalev fight, if you remember in that fight from Ryzen 10, I think, or Ryzen 9, they basically, I mean, they basically cringed at the amount of Vaseline that Jairzinho Rosenstrike put on his entire skin. If oh. you remember correctly that, I mean, if you remember correctly of that fight, that is. Oh no, I agree. Oh no, but that was that was him greasing up his entire body. That is something you cannot and should not get away with. I think rising officials, not not the team, you know, UFC does it almost every promotion I think of does it in the West. I think that Ryzen should Ryzen officials should you know they sh- they should be the ones who put on the Vaseline on their on their foreheads brows all that stuff, and that that a little thing like that will help. Little things like that help. Um, uh-huh. I, I and you know it's it it just will it's just I don't want to see this happen again because you know the likely like. I also don't want to see fights ending in cuts so often. And the only, you know, while it hasn't happened, it's happened, the, the more memorable times that, that has happened, you know, where I think it could have continued. Well, I, I guess I'll say the Rocky Martinez, Krokop fight, and this fight. The, the Ian McCall, the Cape fight, that was a tournament. That's a little bit of a different setting. And the J. Kuhn, Vitaly Shemitov, Shemitov was, was, not gonna recover from that cut, but this fight definitely could have continued on had that cut been properly attended uh, to. We both picked. We both picked. Uh, we both picked. Um, a monkey god to win, but obviously, you know, this is this is xed out because unfortunately, yeah, this fight didn't happen. Basically, <laughs> this didn't happen. Unfortunately, uh, do you think that? Do you think? Do you think that the side? Side- always That's why. Gotta keep on your toes, especially after like the first minute of these matches. Because what could happen in that one minute of action that changes, you know, the entire course of a fight, especially with what happened in the main event between Asakura and Horiguchi. Do you think that they're gonna try to do this match again at a future date, um, Christian? Hopefully, hopefully so. 
I mean, because I think both of these guys were ready to fight. Both of these guys were ready to kick each other's heads off, but they didn't have they didn't have that happen because of the fact that, you know, <clears throat> mostly because of that no contest. So, uh, so I think that Ryzen should definitely run that fight again, or you know, Deep should run that fight again, but for the Deep Strawweight title. Um. Uh, I think it was, um, I'm trying to remember which publication it was, but basically they tracked that, they tracked Jared Brooks to be in the number two, uh, the lineal, uh, lineal flyweight, um, fire, uh, number two, uh, flyweight fighter in the world, obviously. Um, question though, if, if they can't get Haru Ochi back for whatever reason, uh, because of stitches or whatever, uh, for this fight, uh, for another match, um, who would you... Do you think you could do Jared Brooks versus uh, Muramoto? Or, actually, Jared Brooks, in your interview, did say he wanted to go in different weight classes. Would you maybe have Jared Brooks come in and do a different weight class fight? I mean, if he can take it, if his body can take it, yes. Because I do think that he is, that he has what it takes to fight at strawweight, flyweight, and even featherweight uh, weight class that he won a title in, House of Fame, down in the Florida and Georgia region. But still, I think that if his body is up for it, he can definitely fight in either of those three weight classes, flyweight, bantamweight, or featherweight. But, you know, if he can... I mean, if he does get this fight done over, whether it be in Ryzen or in Deep, which would be his fourth Japanese promotion if they were to so oblige this fight, I do think that it would be a damn good opportunity for Jared Brooks to show just how capable he is of being a master pressionist when it comes down to mixed martial arts, especially in the lighter weight classes who are in desperately need of stars outside of the big three. Question, what about uh, Takagi Soya versus Jared Brooks if they can't do Ochi for some time? Mm, at flyweight? Well, you know, like you said, um, they he could do, um, he, he could go, like, they want to do catchweight 130, they probably could. Uh, they could do flyweight probably as well. Heck, if they want to even do a 135, I even, mean, they probably could. I mean, I would have problems, you know, with that fight being made, because you would have to have Jeff Brooks balloon up and weight, just like Utah Morimoto ballooned weight and lost to Stoya. But if it's at flyweight, then you might happen, because it's not like the UFC, there I go, saying the big three... But it's not like they, the UFC, are doing anything than, you know, giving the platform. That's true. That's true. Um, but I think ideally, they obviously, you they want to try to do that Haru Ochi um, match. Heck, you know what? I know it, it, the last time he fought in Ryzen, it was an awful fight. If you want to bring Mitsuhisa Tsunabe to temporarily... Um, uh, to like, you know what? 
You know what? That's that's another thing I realized about Jared Brooks, and it wasn't until after that interview I had with him that I realized this, but he really wants to fight Misuhisa Sanada. Oh, maybe. I mean, this dates back to some Cancrase fight that he had. He really wants to fight Misuhisa Sanada. Maybe you do that. Maybe you do that. If, if a little fight cannot be done, for whatever reason, for some time, do that fight. Mitsu, uh, Mitsuhisa Sanabe. I think that, uh, I'm trying to think. I think that, uh, he might be on a losing streak now, Sanabe. Um, double check on well, that. Well, yeah, I mean, he did just lose the light flyweight king of Pancrase title. Yeah, he's on a two-fight a two fight losing streak. Um... You know what? But still, he is going to be the first inductee into the Hall of Fame. So, you know, what better way for him to get some post-publicity than to him, I mean, than for him to fight, you know, somebody who has been wanting to fight him for the longest amount of time. Okay, yeah. Do that then. You could then do that. There. There we go. We're bookers now. Hire us. Um, <laughs> I wish, I wish. <laughs> well, but still, enough about the strawweights. No disrespect to Jerry Brooks, even though we would love to see Ochi versus Brooks or Tsunabe versus Brooks happen. Let's go on to the one other fight involving a Scorpion Fighting System member where it just didn't go that Scorpion Fighting System member's way. And that was a split decision loss suffered at the hands of Alicia Halfpint Zapatello, the three-fight Invicta veteran, drops to five and two overall, losing to Kana Asakura, who obviously could have lost that entire fight if she was basically realizing she was getting dominated by Zapatella. And most of you seen the fight, obviously. Asakura improves to 15 and 4 now on her career. But if you hadn't seen that fight, you wouldn't know that Asakura was getting dominated. Most fight. Sorry, Christian, could you repeat your question again? Sorry, Christian, could you repeat your question again? seen how Asakura was getting dominated throughout that entire right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I watched the fight twice. Um, initially, I thought that Zabatella may have won it. But on the second viewing, I could kind of see how Kana won. Um, but it's a, it was a very close fight. Yeah, that was that was the closest fight overall on this uh, on this card. I mean, what do you think? Do you think that Kana won it? Do you think that Alicia won it when you watched it initially? I thought Alicia's won because she was basically dominating for most. I mean, she was, Alicia was basically dominating Kana for most of that damn fight. You wouldn't know it. Mm-hmm. Do you think Do you think that she lost because this is the case of the Japanese fighter being Japan? Or do you think that they that they saw something that, that we didn't, the judges? You know, I was asking, um, so I mean, did you think this was a case of Kana winning because that that this was a case of the Japanese fighter being Japan, or did 
possibly the judges see something that we didn't, or they judged on damage. Because here's the thing, Alicia definitely did take more visible damage in this fight. But in terms of being, I think that Alicia may have outstruck Connor during this match. Yeah, I mean you were basically uh, you're basically asking if even though Alicia did outstrike Connor Asakura in this fight, that it felt like a hometown decision or a home country decision. I mean, I, I listen. I've seen uh, I've I've seen worse fights, you know. Where, where I mean, I mean worse uh, worst cases of fighters who who lost a fight that they shouldn't have. I think the uh, I think the most egregious case maybe uh, Johnny Hendricks was GSP uh, that I can recall, uh, where I think that GSP clearly lost that fight. But in this fight, I, listen, there when uh, when Alicia would go for takedowns, uh, Kana would actually you know she would get out of them and she actually managed to get a top position. Um, so I could kind of see you know. If you go when you get on top of somebody, the ref the, the judges are gonna look at that and say, okay, you know what? This is you know that's someone dominating. Um, and Alicia did get vis she was bleeding um, from the punches Azakura was delivering. Um, but you know I don't think I think that overall though Alicia was was certainly delivered much more powerful punches, much more significant punches. Um, and was certainly was more aggressive, was more pushing the fight. I would say. Yeah, uh, I would say so too. Uh, but now that you think about it. But listen, listen. You know, this was definitely not one of Con. You know, Kana lost her last two matches uh, to uh, Ayaka and to uh, Miyu, and with this fight, she barely eked out a win. So this wasn't certainly one of her best outings. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm going to, you know, tension was in the audience and all that stuff as well. We should mention that. And, um, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, was happy for a win, but, you know, this was definitely not the most impressive win for Kana's career in her rising career. Um, again, Zavatella, um, you know, was picked as an underdog. I picked her, uh, and, but you picked Kana but I thought that Zabatella would out-grapple uh, Kana, and she kind of almost did to a degree, but Zabatella looked very good. Um, I guess the two questions I have for you, Christian, is, so what do you do with Kana after this fight? You know, you saw that we have this fight. She, you know, she's not on a two-fight two losing streak anymore in Ryzen, but this fight was certainly not, a win, it was not an impressive win. It was, it's a win. It's, it's a lowercase w win, I guess you could say. What do you do with Kana next? I mean, I would say wait to see how this whole thing with Miu and C.O.B. Han plays out. But I don't think that a match between... I don't think that another match between Kana Asakura and Miyu Yamamoto would do either of them any favors. Question, what about, uh, I, mm -hmm. oh, uh, well, sorry, go ahead, what were you going to say? I mean, I was basically saying, I don't think that a match between, and I don't think that a second match between Miyu Yamamoto and Kana Asakura would do either of them any favors, because we all seen how that first fight went. Oh, of course, of course. I mean, I think that a fight between Kana Asakura versus C.O.P. Han would 
you know, do both of them wonders, but it's no use considering the fact that Seo Hee Hom is after the same thing that every, I mean, that all the other girls in the Rising Super Animate Division was, and that's a shot at Ayaka Hamasaki, and for Hamasaki, she already fought, you know, Seo Hee Hom twice. A third fight on Japanese soil, well, actually, a third fight in Rising would probably do a hell of a lot of wonders, especially because in this case it would be champion versus champion. So what but if, I don't know what the hell you would do with Kanazakura. What to about be what about I Shimizu versus Kanazakura? Oh no, no. You don't want to throw I Shimizu to the wolves that early. I mean, yeah, she's still undefeated. She's four and oh overall. But I do not think that having Aishimizu fight a match of that caliber against Kana Asakura would, you know, favor her. Well, here's the thing. Why I, sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, go, no, go ahead, Christian. I'm just saying, in a way, I think that Aishimizu would lose a fight against Kana Asakura. I don't know. You would basically be throwing the young talent. You would basically be throwing your young talent to the wolves. I don't know if I would agree with that necessarily. Aishimizu is a listen. Here's the thing: Kanazakura is not a good puncher. She's not. She's not good in the stand-ups. That's where Aishimizu would would obviously fare better. Obviously, I think on the ground, Kanazakura fares better there. But I think it's a, it would be a good clash of styles. Uh, what about the uh, we, we you know the Kanazakura versus Alyssa Garcia rematch? That I'm pretty sure she would like to have at some point. Hmm. You know what? That would be fun. But obviously, Kana Asakura would overwhelm Alicia Tiny Tim Garcia. And not enough, not enough yelling from Josh Barnett. I don't know. Well, I remember, Alyssa Garcia dominated the first match. I don't know. I would not count Alyssa Garcia out of that if she, uh, if she got that match. Um, right, right. Of course, of course. What about uh, Alicia Zabatella? Do you is she rising worthy uh, for a future fight? Well, I think much like her teammate, she just got fucked over by the judges, even though. This was a split decision. One judge did score the fight for Zapatella. But I think that in a way, she would probably do better in Invicta because she's 2-1 there. She would probably do better going back to King of the Cage or Kombachi Americas, even though that would be a step backwards. But I do think that if she does well in Invicta, and if she doesn't get snatched up by the UFC and get forced to gain seven pounds and fight as a straw weight, you know, maybe we can see Zapatella fight in Ryzen again. Heck, you know, even I just don't know with her fighting in another Ryzen belt immediately after this one would do her any favors. Well, again, some matchups I, I think would be interesting would be her versus Zapatella. I mean, Zapatella versus uh, Garcia. Um, oh, you know, they can... Sorry, Christian, you broke up when you... What, what did you say again? Basically, what I'm saying is Zapatella and Garcia can fight in a bit. Ah, okay. 
Okay, or Combat the Americas? Oh, wait, she's... Oh, wait. Like I said, Combat the Americas would be a step backwards. Oh, and also, I forgot that Garcia is not with uh, Combat the Americas anymore, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, they did release a statement months ago saying that she was free to fight wherever she wanted to. Um, but I, th I think we'll see Zabatella again. Um, I think, I, I hope we do. I mean, she, she definitely, she, she, she got, she won some of this fight. I know she didn't win in the end, officially, but she definitely won some of this fight. And considering that she went in as a major underdog, I think she definitely deserves a second chance at some point. You know, whether she, that's mm -hmm. after game, you know, going back to, you know, Heck, you know what? Maybe even bring her to Bellator or something. She could, you know, put her in against, I don't know, Lindsay Van Zant, maybe, or something like that. Um, uh, I mean, do you think that fight would be a good fight for her? Um, I be, mean, considering the fact that Lindsay Van Zant just defeated Raina Kubota. Well, right now, I know that they're going to be working on a Lindsay Van Zant uh, Raina uh, rematch. Uh, in Ryzen at some point. That's what something they want to do. So maybe the Lindsay Van Sands already booked up for that. But um, I think, uh, or you know what? If you want to give Alicia Zabatella an, an easy an easy fight to win, just give her Samantha John Francois and call it a day. <laughs> exactly. And especially in the Invicta cage because, of course, it basically mean that Samantha John Francois would totally be out of her element. I mean, she does have an under 500 record anyways, and before that she did say she wanted to fight more often, but only for Ryzen. That's not happening, so, you what? know, just give her that Invicta paycheck and get on what with a, her life. What about... I mean, so that she can get on with her life. What about the Krasian, Andy Nguyen? I think that could be... She's a... doing line fight Muay Thai now, so I don't think that she oh. would be... You know, wanting to take up any MMA fight, unless the money is right, of course. Right, and also, forgot to say, she broke her arm in her most recent um, Muay Thai fight. Mm. She, uh, that sucks. Someone uh, kicked her, she went to bot the kick, and her arm broke. So, probably she won't be in Ryzen for at least a few months if she comes back. Um, so, unfortunately, we won't be getting uh, any awesome entrances from... Um, from uh, Andy Nguyen at some point. Um, exactly. But this, this was a, I thought it was a very good fight. I thought it was a very good uh, a very good fight. Uh, you know, judges judges decision. You know, minus that. But you know, I think I you know, it's funny that one of the things I pointed out was that a lot of the fighters who I guess you could say were rising originals um, have been you know. Taking a lot of L's or not looking as impressive lately. You know, you have Yusuke Yachi, Reina Kabota, uh, Kana Azakura. I'm not going to put Kyoji Horiguchi there. He got one loss, so I'm not going to count that. Uh, but a lot of these people who start, who were, who rising, I think at one point was banking on their, on them to be like headliners and future stars and all that have really, have not, uh, panned out as much, really. Um. Exactly. It's interesting how, how the tide has turned, um, where, you know, now it's the it's the Azakura brothers who are almost becoming the face of Ryzen, if not Kai, certainly Mikuru, um, and uh, Ayaka Hamazaki, um, who, you know, was is already in her 30s and 
was was you know I guess uh, I guess a lot of people pegged would eventually go to UFC since she was Invicta, but uh, Ryzen got her instead. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just funny how all that worked out. All that and else and uh, I guess maybe I guess one of the Ryzen originals who you could say what is still here with us is Jiri Prochaska. Um, yeah, basically, well, sorry, Christian, could you repeat that again? You broke up. Those couple of strong steel. What I'm trying to say was if Ayaka Hasaki were to have fought in the UFC off those two strawweight fights in Invicta, she probably wouldn't have enjoyed fighting just as much as she is enjoying fighting now for Ryzen. Do you think that she would have, you think her record would have been very uh, similar to Siohi Ham's, uh, where, you know, all these dominant wins outside the UFC, but gets but you get into UFC and suddenly you're just fighting a different level of competition. Do you think that Ayaka Hamazaki would have lost uh, rather than one more? Yep, exactly. Uh, yeah. So exactly. okay. Anything else you want to say about this fight? Um, Azakura Khan Azakura versus Alicia yeah. Zabatella. Andrew, you were saying something? Oh, no. Is there anything else you want to say about this fight, or do you want to go on to the next fight? I think we've said all that we've said about this particular fight, except for, you know, one thing. I think that when it comes to Kana Asakura, yeah, we don't know what to do with her now or what to do with her upcoming, but as long as those plans don't include potentially going to the UFC, like, oh, for instance, Kanako Murata. <laughs> I mean, there could be a chance that Kanako Murata won. And again, maybe she should fight that. That's true. Uh, Murata would be interesting. Yes, those plans for Asakura don't include going to the UFC. That would be fine for her. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, we'll have to, uh, yeah, Murata, Murata was, uh, was, I don't know. She seems to be, she, there's a reason why she went to Invicta, you know, and I think it's kind of obvious. Um, nothing wrong with that, but, uh, I don't see, um, I don't see Murata being, we'll, uh, we'll have to wait, we'll have to wait a bit to see, like, what she, um, where she, uh, w- what her future is with, um, with, with Ryzen, if it's still even there. Um, but with that, Christian, I think we should go yeah, on to, uh, or Kanako oh. Murata, Kanako Murata, and, you know, I think right, yeah. we'll have to wait and see if she still, uh, has another fight with them at some point. Other than that, okay. though, but other than that, let's go ahead and go to the next fight, because I know that this was a history-breaking thing that happened, <laughs> and that was the gunslinger getting denied his 100th professional victory as a kickboxer. He lost. I mean, let's say, first of all, John Wayne Park coming out to Old Town Road, you just couldn't beat that shit. <laughs> but still, if only he would have rolled that win, 
till he couldn't no more into the sunset to participate. I mean, to potentially face off against Anthony Mundine. If only he would have rolled that 100 win till he couldn't ride it no more and rolled off to face Mundine. You know, being the most decorated kickboxer of all time, but still, plans change. Mm-hmm. Danilo Zanellini defeated John Wayne Parr via split decision. Danilo Zanellini ups his record to 42-12. and 12. John Wayne Parr sees his record. 100 victory stops short. Well, actually, John Wayne Parr sees a chase for 100. Living to fight another day, even though now he's 99 and 34 as a professional kickboxer, as far as wins and losses go. But I have to ask, mm-hmm. do you think that Zanolini truly won that fight? And do you think that John Wayne Paul focused or is focused a little too much on that Mundine fight? Um. Interesting questions. So, um, the first, uh, the first question, I initially, when I initially watched the match, again, this was a very tough match to, to really, to really figure out the winner. I thought that Parr might win this, because I guess you could say he was, well, he isn't, technically he wouldn't be the facto hometown guy, because Zanolini lives in Japan and owns a bunch of gyms in Japan, so technically he'd be the hometown mm-hmm. guy. Uh, but upon, upon watching this fight again, when it wasn't 4 a.m. and I was well-rested, I did think that Zanolini did win this. Um, the reason why is that I thought that Zanolini won this was because, uh, well, for, first of all, um, more visible damage. Uh, there was damage to Parr's legs and also to his head. There was a little cut on the top of his head, forehead, as well as the top of, of, of the dome of his head. Um, it was hard to see, but it was a cut nonetheless. I think also, while Parr maybe gave more punches, Zanolini blocked a lot of them. And for everything that, that, that he blocked, uh, Paul, uh, Zanolini would, would reconnect, would, would connect some more punches, but get into, but would connect with those punches to, uh, to Parr's face. Um, you know, I think, this, I think this fight was not, was, uh, uh, was more one-sided than... The Zapatella kind of fight because I know the commentary they were saying oh this was a t- uh, th- you know that they're almost acting as if Parr should have won this um, but I uh, a lot of people um, on Twitter were disagreeing with um, with um, with uh, the the commentators um, uh, and um, I think that I think a lot of people wanted to see Parr win this so they kind of thought that he won. And it's and listen, it's understandable. It's his, it's his second. It's his one hundred potential one hundredth win. So you know, listen, that's a, that's a that's a that's something that's that's a great story. You know, one hundredth win in Japan, great. It's absolutely great. Unfortunately, it just didn't happen. Um, regarding uh, the Mundine fight, it's entirely possible that that and that was one of the questions I posed. Uh, when I wrote up uh, about this fight for MMA Sucker, was that is 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 Parr going to this fight, tra- knowing that he trained fully for the, trained fully, one percent for this fight, 
or will the Mundine fight be more on his mind? And it's possible that the Mundine fight is more on his mind because that's a traditional boxing match and probably, you know, probably getting paid a lot more to do that and a lot more notoriety. So it's entirely possible that maybe he just was, you know, you know, maybe did one round of kickboxing, maybe three rounds of traditional boxing. Who knows? Um, Parr does think that he won that, though. Uh, he said in the post-fight interview that he did think he won that fight. Um, uh, what do you think, Christian? Do you think that, that Parr won this fight? Do you think Zanolini won it? I don't know how many times you watched the fight. What, are your, just what, do, you, what do you think overall about the, about the to outcome? Me it was too, to me, it was too close to call because, yeah, Parr did, you know... Have his moments where he basically tried to have the dominant in the fight, but obviously, obviously, when it came down to Zanolini, and you could basically hear it in the crowd, the amount of support that came for Zanolini, especially given the fact that Nagoya, if you have heard this before, please stop me. Nagoya does have a large Brazilian contingency, way more than any community in the world. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, I don't hear... Sorry, go ahead. I mean, I don't hear you stopping me. No, no. Still, Danolini did feel like, you know, especially with the crowd support, that he dominated that fight. Yeah, um... I, I think, you know, and I think, you know, we both picked part to win this, and we thought that Parr was going to probably overwhelmingly win it. But we all, you know, you know, we should also, you know, Zanolini is also, you know, he's lost a bunch of his fights, but he's also a very good fighter. And, yeah, and again, you know, this was a very close, uh, this was a, a close fight in some ways, but I think overall, though, Zanolini pr was, pro was the clear winner if you rewatch this fight. Um, I guess the question is, now that I have is, so, will they bring in, well, you think, should John Wayne, JWP, John Wayne Parr, the gunslinger, do you think you bring him back in for another Ryzen fight? Maybe try to get, try again for that 100th win? I think so. I really think so, if he does get the opportunity to fight in the Ryzen ring again, but if he doesn't, if he, oh my god, I'm sorry man for all the background noise, but still. I do think that John Wayne Parr would be wise and worthy just as long as he doesn't sign an agreement with Glory or with Bundy or with any other promotion just to get him not reset. Because Sorry, to see him not get in in you know, either Australia or Japan, especially in a rising ring, if it, and it's just crazy. Well, here's the thing. Really he, he's also he signed. A, deserve a shot in that rising ring. He's also um, he's also uh, with a Bellator kickboxing, right? Yeah, he's with Bellator kickboxing. Now he his, last fought with them back in July of 2018. Do you think that? Since it didn't happen now in Japan, do you think that 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 Bellator is going to try to seize the opportunity to try and make it his 100th win in their promotion? Probably so. If Ryzen doesn't 
you know, call them back or if no other promotion snatches them up. Well, here's the thing is, uh, here's, the th- here's the thing as well I like to also note. Um, he's got that Mundine fight coming up, when is it, October? I believe it is. Is it October or September? Uh, can you repeat that again? You're kind of cutting out. Sorry, was, is that the Mundine fight is supposed to be in October, I believe, right? November, actually. No- oh, November. Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, God, it's already August. It's, it's almost basically September. I don't know if he... Between now and then, if he's going to have another another fight, I think he's going to probably just um, focusing on that um, on that on that match from here on in. You don't want to be taking any sort of fights of any kind while you're you know with a boxing fight. You know, this was a few weeks ago, so you know there's still time in between. But let's see, you know, if you know September, October, November. No, I don't think he's going to be doing. Well, I think if he goes yeah, to... Yeah, because you basically have to have at least a 6 to 12 week training camp just to train for a boxing belt. Oh, uh, yeah. So, and, you know, if, if it's overseas, you go, you got to travel and all that shit. I, and then if you're doing it for Bellator, you got answers to commissions. And, you listen, if you get seriously injured, you know, the, the, the boxing commission may just wave up the fight, and that won't be good at all. So I think I think probably we won't see... If, we, if he goes for his 100th win, it's going to be after... Um, it'll be after the Mundine fight, which you, you know, I worry if he, if he went, if he loses that, do you think he might retire like permanently from fighting? Oh, I mean, if he doesn't want to turn into a damn punching bag, I mean, not everybody outside of Thailand can have those 200 win totals. <laughs> what about Zanolini? He's two and zero in rising now. Uh, I think we'll bring him back for, uh, they'll bring him back when, uh, they come back to Nagoya at some point. If not, they probably might call him for a major show. But for now, I just don't really see that happening. I mean, I think he has better things to do than, you know, sit around and wait for a phone call or direct message on social media, you know, saying, hey, you want to fight again? Bus? I mean, basically, Danilo Zanolini runs a bunch of gyms and he has more time training his students rather than thinking about potentially fighting for Ryzen again, even though he is undefeated. I mean, uh, well, yeah, yeah, you know, um, I don't know how much he's kickboxing now, if he's just doing the, um, just doing the old, uh, looking over his gym thing, but, um, you know, I don't know who, who you bring him in the fight. Also, this was a, a, another catchweight bout as well, so, yeah, I don't know who you'd bring in to, um, Mm-hmm. This was at 74 kilos, 165 pounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, unfortunately, it was a disappointing win. It was a disappointing loss for uh for Parr. I think a lot of people were pulling for him to win, uh, get that 100th win. It would have been a great, uh, uh, great, uh, a great, uh, not ending, but a great way to cap off his, uh, his career as a kickboxer and in Japan as well. Mm-hmm, exactly. But actually, overall, I mean, in a way, in a way, John Wayne Parr getting stopped at that 100 victory, it's like in baseball when your goal is to reach 3,000 hits and you stop three hits short. Exactly, yeah. Um, I will say, though, this was an exciting fight to watch because it was kind of just like, it was kind of like a chess game, you know, seeing, you know, these two obviously experienced kickboxers go at it. And, um, 
yeah, this was a really fun fight overall. Really great kickboxing fight. Uh, I definitely recommend that people watch this. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we got uh, we got we got uh, we got quite a uh, bantamweight match next, Christian. I definitely want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Not only was it quite a fun bantamweight match, I guess you could say it was easy fucking money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As Manel came, tagged another body. As he defeated Takeda Mizugaki, UFC, WBACB, Shuto, all-around humble veteran of this beautiful little thing we call MMA. But still... <laughs> Manel King knocked out Takeda Mizugaki with one minute and 36 seconds of round number two. And then Manel King, as crazy as he is, he had the nerve to call out Gucci Two Belts, a guy he already lost to, Kiyoshi Horiguchi. Yep. Um, gotta say, uh, Cape is, Cape is on. Fucking great fighter. Mm-hmm. But I have to ask, with Manel Cape's call out of Kyoji Horiguchi, even though Horiguchi lost, do you still see Cape being a potential contender for the Ryzen Bantamweight title? Oh, down the line, as we dis- as we discussed in the um in the pre in the uh Kaizakura Kyoji Horiguchi episode. That, uh, you know, regardless of your thoughts about that uh, Kaizakura-Manel Cape fight, that was a close fight. You know, Manel Cape certainly deserves a rematch with Kaizakura at some point, whether it's for the title or not the title, if, if Kaizakura does beat Horiguchi at some point. Um, the Horiguchi fight, though, between uh, Cape, when initially when this fight happened, I said, Cape, you know what, put Cape to the front of the line. He deserves it. But, um, mm-hmm. obviously, those plans changed. Uh... Some hour or two later. So, um, what do you do with Cape now? Um, I, you know, I gotta say, you know, Kaizakura actually probably winning was probably the worst thing that could happen because this certainly puts him in the back of the line. I guess what you what would you do with him? Do you? I mean, here's the thing, though. If you put up against somebody, you know, it's always it's always a risk. You know, you risk losing. Um, I mean, if you think about it, you would have him go up against somebody like Victor Henry who will get to the little. Again, you know, but the problem is that, you know, if, if Victor Henry wins that, then he has maybe more of a uh, a contendership for the title. Can you repeat yourself? Sorry. Uh, if, if Victor Henry wins that, you, you could say that Victor Henry would have more of a of a of a contendership for the bantamweight title of Ryzen, whoever the winner may may that be. So I can almost see that being a lose lose for Kate. Right. Because he risks, you know, he gets another win, but it doesn't put him anywhere close to the title because the title is going to be kind of a limbo until this Kyoji Horiguchi Kaizakura deal is settled. So I think uh, I almost would say wait it out, wait it out and see, you know, what happens with Kaizakura and. Kyoji, but his 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 contract might not allow him that. He might have a certain he might have a certain amount of fights that he has to do this year for Ryzen, and it, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one more at Saitama. Um, I the Victor Henry fight would be interesting. I would have to say. Um, what about what about uh, Kate versus Scoggins? 
So, sorry, Christian, could you repeat that again? Antics between those two happen. Oh, sorry, Christian, what were you saying about the antics between those? Andrew, you're not saying anything. Sorry, what were you saying about Christian's, uh, Christian about the antics between those two? I mean, do you want to see how crazy those two fighters can get against each other? Yeah. Actually, didn't Jared Jared Brooks say that um, he won the fight cape as well? I think he said that in your interview also, right? Oh, yeah, he definitely said that. But here's the thing. I think that would be too much of a risk for Jared Brooks because even though Jared Brooks is a badass in and of its... In, in of its ah, even though Jared Brooks is a badass on his own, I don't really think he can handle Manel Cave, even though he's probably going to, you know... Send me crazy messages later on when he hears this back saying that he does deserve a chance to fight Van Cape. I'm sorry, Jared, but I don't think you have a chance to really match up against Van Cape because Van Cape is on a whole nother level. Van Cape has already fought more times in Ryzen. You've only fought one time in the Ryzen Fighting Federation, and that's not to say that, you know, you're not experienced in Japan. Because this is your third time, this was your third time fighting, but still, to the idea of Jared Brooks versus Men LK, I'd say, pump your brakes, young man, pump your brakes. Interesting, interesting. Ah, so the Victor Henry fight might be worth, um, might be worth looking for something. Though, you know, if I'm Men LK, you know, I don't know if I want to risk, you know, I would just say... Wait for see right. what wait wait for that Kyoji Kai outcome, because here's the thing: if if Kai wins in the rematch in the second match, Miguel Cape came close to beating Kai Zakura in Ryzen, so he certainly deserves a shot at that. Now, what about now? I mean, come to think of it, wouldn't you much rather see Kai Sakura versus Manel Cape in a rematch? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but I well that I. You know, I can't. I don't think it'll be non-tile. It won't be non-tile. At least you know we'll have to wait and see how the Kyoji Kai rematch goes. Um, and also, you know, uh, Kyoji and Manel uh, when they had their fight at the Ryzen Bantamweight Grand Prix, it went to the third round, and Cape was holding his own. He was he wasn't winning, but he was holding his own. Um, exactly. What about uh, what about Cape versus Tiger Muay Thai Topnoy? <laughs> That would be fun, especially because of the antics those two would pull. I mean, you probably wouldn't be able to pull them apart at the weigh-ins. Yeah. Just because of the amount of shit that they would throw at each other. Not literally, of course. Actually, uh, we just want to briefly talk about the weigh-ins. The weigh-ins, for the most part, were were non-confrontational. Guess who was the only one who had a confrontation at the uh, weigh-ins? Jared Brooks. No, no, no. It was... Uh, Justin Scoggins and Kazuma Sone. Oh, right. So, I do remember that. Yeah, it was funny. I I don't know why Kazuma Sone. I guess Kazuma Sone didn't like Justin Scoggins doing these like karate, these like air karate moves. Uh, like he took it as like an offense and almost got in uh, Scoggins' face. But yeah, no. Mm. Manel Cape and uh, Jared Brooks were on their best behavior, surprisingly. 
<laughs> well, you can say Jared Brooks was on his best behavior because he had the whole monkey boy get up, the monkey god get up. What about Takaya uh, Mizugaki? What do you uh, what do you do with him? Well, let's see. Manel Cape improves his record to fourteen and four, but you have to think. Takaya Mizugaki, he's twenty three, fourteen and two now. I mean, this was his first fight for a major Japanese promotion. Wild, I think. But I don't know what can you do with him other than. Put him out pasture like an old cow. From 2016 to 2000 to about 2018, uh, beginning of 2018, he was on a four-fight losing streak. By the way, Mizugaki. Um, let's assume that he's still rising. Um, let's see. What about Mizugaki versus Scoggins? Do you, would you want to do that? I mean, would you want to see that happen? Eh, probably not. I would say Cosmo Sone, but I think that Mizugake probably would win that. What about, and we'll talk about we'll talk about uh, him in the next match, uh, Trent Gurdon versus Takeya Mizugaki. You know what? That would be a cool, that would be a nice, cool fight, especially for Gurdon, because it would be his first majorly experienced opponent especially given the fact that Mizugaki has fought in the WEC and in the UFC. But you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, and this fight I don't think has ever happened before, but I think it would be, I mean, even though it would be hard for Mizugaki to reach up to 155 or 145, I wouldn't mind seeing Takei Mizugaki Versus Tatsuya Crusher Kawajiri. I just don't know. It's been, I mean, I've been wanting to see this fight since they were both in the UFC. I've been wanting to see this fight really since they were in the WEC. Is it really? I think that it would be a, I, I think that fight between those two would be cool and it would be like really a chance for them to cap things off. It would be like a Yarnoka type fight. I thought you were going to say Mizugaki versus Takanori Gomi. I didn't know you were going to say Kawajiri. Uh, yeah, but that would be... I mean, Mizugaki versus Gomi would be a crazy enough fight as it is because you would have to have Mizugaki, you know, ballooning up to 155, maybe 170, just to fight Gomi. And I don't think that his little body would be able to handle that because he would look pasty and doughy. <laughs> but still, I do think that a dream fight between Mizugaki and Kawajiri would probably set all those old school rumors of them potentially, I mean, all those old school stories about them potentially fighting in the UFC and the WEC to rest. Uh, yeah, well, you know, do you think, or do you think that Mizugaki should retire? Not yet. Not yet, because I think that he has a few more fights left in him.
he has a few more fights left in him, and for him to call it quits. Well, how many more fights would you say he'd have to lose for him to, to call quits? Uh, can you repeat that again? How many more fight? If he, how many more fights would he have to lose before you say time for you to quit, uh, Mizugaki? Two, maybe three. Okay. No more, no less. Well, once again, Manel Cape, you know, once again. Tries, uh, you know, trying to steal the show from everybody with his antics, wild antics, easy money, easy fucking money, and then with the Kyoji Horiguchi call out, by the way, as well. Poor translator had to had to translate all those curse words. You know, felt embarrassed for her, but um, that's what Manel Cape does. Manel Cape, Manel Cape likes the attention. He likes the attention. Um. With that though, you want to go. What do you want? You want to go into the next fight, which was an awesome fight. But let's go ahead and go on to the premier bantamweight bout of the evening because this one, obviously, we both interviewed these guys, so they knew that they were going to give it their all. But only one person had a lot to give and nothing to lose. Wouldn't you agree? Oh well, I don't know. Only one. I'll be honest. You know this fight. You know this fight was like a pro wrestling match where one guy was was winning for the first like was was doing all the offense in the first like minute or two, and then it flipped. It was basically it, it, it happened for about two about all three almost all three rounds before the finish, and it, it was exactly like mm-hmm. a, it was and a, you. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. And you me. basically heard Joe Pirillo basically say. That there were a bunch of momentum shifts in this fight. Yeah, exactly. That's what a pro wrestling match usually is. It's momentum shifts. It's one guy doing his shit and the next guy doing his shit. And that was basically what this match was. It was really, it was really pro wrestling like. <laughs> but it's funny because when we talked to uh, Victor Henry, we did talk about pro wrestling, and, and so it's just funny how like that like kind of kind of worked out in a way. Um, but uh, yeah, basically. Uh, what happened is uh, Victor Henry uh, from the UWF USA school, uh, trains under Josh Barnett, got the rare inverted triangle chokehold uh, in the third round. Um, I don't have the uh, the time here. Uh, time about two minutes, 14 seconds of round number three. Yeah, the only, time, only other time that I can recall in a major MMA promotion in an inverted triangle choke would be Toby Imada tapping out Jorge Masvidal back in Bellator. Do you remember that? I think I do remember that. It was like the first... I mean, it was crazy that Toby Imada got all this success because of it, because obviously he learned that from doing shoot boxing, if I'm not mistaken. It's very funny, because like that, that, that was like the first time an inverted triangle choke was ever done in a major MMA show. Or had it ever been done? Um, and of all people, it's Toby Imada doing it to Jorge Masvidal. And just think about the the, the career tra- trajectory of both, where one is now, where the other is. So it's just funny how that how shit like that works out. But in this case, I mean, obviously Imada is retired, and Masvidal just knocked the fuck out of Ben Askren, two pieces of soda, four and seconds. Is now uh, is now a well known name in the UFC. He's no more. 
just like a mid-carder. He's now like a legit main eventer. Well, actually, no. No more than just a common-ass street thug from Miami. <laughs> now he's basically, you know, carrying the legacy of Kimbo Slice. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, um, basically, all three rounds, this would what happened. Trent Gurdon would dominate, and this is a funny thing during this match. Trent Gurdon was actually taking down Victor Henry, which I did not think would happen. I thought the opposite would happen. I was like, really like, wow, that actually, that Trent Gurdon is out grappling uh, Victor Henry. And was also, I think, was winning the stand-up as well. He was, he was, he was lining up Victor Henry. And here's the thing, uh, Trent Gurdon's a kickboxer. He's a, he's a, he started out kickboxing, so obviously he would be stronger in the stand-up, and that's how it worked out. But then Victor Henry would would somehow get out of uh, uh, get out of these bad positions that he was in, and then you know take uh, take uh, Gurdon's back or you know uh, get out, get on mount position and uh, get ground and pound. And it's really it's just funny how that how, how it worked out. It was momentous. But in the third round, what happens that. Uh, yeah, he locked in that inverted triangle choke, and uh, Gurdon tapped out. And it was, uh, this was a hell of a fight. This is my fight of the night. What do you think, Christian? Exactly, exactly. But if you think about it, I mean, did you think that the performance for Victor Henry has given him enough shot at potentially fighting in Bison and, you know, not fighting for deep, even though he is the bantamweight champion, or not fighting for German Titov and his questionable as fuck Russian copper championship promotion or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and perhaps even down the line, we'll even get a Victor Henry uh, Kaiser Kuro or Kyoji Horiguchi match um, potentially. Um, hmm. I think that Victor Henry is definitely going to be one. I of mean, because if you think about it. If you think about it, yeah, another Josh Barnett fighter has won in Ryzen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Josh. If Josh Barnett wasn't signed to Bellator, I think that he would do absolutely well in the Ryzen ring. Hell, he probably might potentially debut for Bellator on the Bellator show in Japan if that does come to fruition later this year. Very true, yeah, very true. Um, we'll have to wait and see about that. Um, but uh, yeah, you can. Oh, it's so, so funny. Um, Josh Barnett, you can just hear him. You know, I've I've come to learn how how Josh Barnett coaches when he when he knows that his fighter is doing well, that his fighter's in no danger. He's calm. He's cool. He's collected. When his fighter is losing, when he knows his fighter is losing. He is yelling his head off. He is, he is, he, you, his voice will, will you can hear all over the commentaries. So, I've come to learn how, how I think Josh Barnett uh, coaches, uh, or the Josh, how, what his emotions are when he's coaching. Um, but I have a question. Did you think that Trent, right. did you think that Trent Gurdham was winning this fight so far? It was a very close fight, but who would you say was winning the first, the first and second round in this fight? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, Christian, who do you think was winning the first and second rounds? Who do you think won the first and second round of this match? 
I think that the first two rounds were really too close to call because, as you said, or as you were saying, Trent Gurdon was actually out grappling the catch wrestling stylings of Victor Henry, even though Gurdon is a Muay Thai practitioner. Yeah, I know. It was... But still, mm-hmm. all the way up until the third round, I probably could have seen a victory happen for Gurdon until that, you know, finished, that inverted triangle choke finished by Victor Henry. Yeah. And Victor did say in his post-fight speech that he's basically coming for the top man. He wants to fight Yoji Horiguchi. He won't stop until he reaches the very tippy top. Well, uh, oh, I just want to also mention that we did both pick Victor Henry to win. Um, regarding Yoji, though... Yeah, at the time he was a marked man, but I don't know. That might change with that main event, and who knows? We'll have to see what happens in the rematch. Um, it might be become... Yeah, just as long... You know what? All I can say is when it comes down to Horikuchi, just as long as he stays far the hell away from Darian Caldwell as possible, yeah. <laughs> then he's fine. Uh, do you think we'll see Victor Henry maybe in Bellator at some point as well? Possibly, but if he does well enough in Japan and, you know, unfortunately in Russia, you know, if he does well in both of those countries, I think that we can potentially see him in Bellator down the line. I don't want to see him in no damn UFC. Oh, no, of course not. Of course not. Um, but yeah, this was a fun fight. My fight tonight. Um, any other thoughts on this fight, Christian? Oh, actually, yeah, sorry. What about Trent Gurdon? What do you do with him? Well, didn't you say beforehand that you would want to see him face off against more game opponents? Because he did say to me off-air that he does have, like, a couple of fight deal with Bel- I mean, with Ryzen, so he wants to potentially face off against Victor Henry again and possibly fight for Ryzen if there's a Bantamweight Grand Prix for 2020. Yeah, I mean, you know, that the thing is that as well, you know, I guess we'll see, uh, you know, if you want to put him against Mizugaki since they both lost, I'm fine with that. I don't think, I don't think the Sony fight would be good because that would be an easy win for Gurdham. Um, I mean, here's the thing, would you want to bring him as an MMA fighter or is, I know he's probably going to be focusing on MMA probably for, in the long term, but what about if they brought him in for a um, a uh, rising kickboxing match? To be honest, that would be fun, but who would really face off against him? Oh, I don't know. Because I know that he probably wants to face off against Tenshin Nasukawa, but of course. <laughs> really, so does the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess let's stick to MMA. You know, put, put him up against maybe... Uh, Mizugaki, um, yeah. I'm trying to think of other Bantamweights that they, uh, continuously use, um, or might use. Yeah, I guess maybe Mizugaki might be the uh, only Andrew? one. What were you trying to say? So, uh, I was just saying that, you know, Mizugaki fight might be the only fight to make as of now, just based on who, you know, other Bantamweights who've lost and, you know, might be a potential good matchup. Uh, rather than a bad, uh, when I say a good matchup, I mean 
a good fight, an interesting fight, rather than, you know, Kazuma Sone, who I think would be knocked out immediately by uh, Gurnum. Um, anything else you want to say about this fight, Christian? So uh, I was just basically saying about the Mizugaki match might be the only good, interesting match for Trent Gurdum. I think that the Kazuma Sone, he would just starch him. Uh, Trent Gurdum would just go right through Sone. Um, just absolutely like destroy him on the feet. So I think the Mizugaki fight might be the only fight to make um, that could be potentially a interesting fight for the two of them since they're both coming off a loss. Exactly, exactly. Anything else you want to say about this fight, Christian? No, I think we just about said all there was on this fight. And now we're going to go ahead and talk about the main event, at least for us on this review, <laughs> the co-main event of this fight card, and that was Ayaka Hamasaki's dominant submission victory over... Amp Suanan Boonsorn, a.k.a. Amp the Pocket Rocket. Why don't you explain a little bit more about that, Andrew? <laughs> well, uh, she's uh, she's a full mo metal dojo... What is it? Sword? Champion? Uh, and I call her an animate sword wielder because, of course, if you know anything about the John Nutt-inspired promotion... You would know that their champions don't carry around belts. As John Nutt once said, you can get those at a tailor shop. They carry around swords. <laughs> yeah, so she has a sword championship thing for Filmel Dojo. Uh, she is now a 3-2 and two fighter. All of her fights have gone to a finish. Um, both wins and losses. Uh, she is originally from Thailand. Has like 70 kickboxing matches as well to her record. And um, was a. I would, say, I would say definitely was an underdog in this match. Ayaka Hamazaki, as we all know, Ryzen Adam, Super Adam Weight Champion. Has never been defeated at Adam Weight. Has only lost two matches, which were at Straw Weight. And is on a five fight win streak. And. Um, and with the win. For Hamasaki, Hamasaki improves her record to 19 and 4. No, 19 and 2. Oh, what? Yeah, right. 19 and 2. 19 and 2. Stupid me. What was I thinking? Uh, but listen, listen, I gotta ask. So, when this match first started and Amp got that takedown on and took uh, uh, Ayaka's back, did you think that she was gonna be able to submit Ayaka from there? I thought so, but it wasn't really likely. Yeah, but it was just like... Oh, here's the thing. Uh, she's very fast at the rocket. She is. She's like lightning quick fast. Um, the thing is that, though, is that clearly better grappler was Ayaka. She was a, She clearly... She was calm and collected when, when, uh, when uh, Amp had her back. And she managed to reverse it very well and get on top of uh, and get on top of uh, Amp, and then got the armbar, got her signature armbar, and got the win. And she was very happy with the win, and so was Megumi Fuji, 
I'm not the trainer for this. Uh, um, I mean, Hamasaki basically said at the end of the fight in her post-fight speech that she was disappointed with how the fight turned out, but, you know, the win's a win. She's happy to get the win because the more wins she gets, the more wiser and sharper she gets because every win is important to her. And she just wants to face all comers, really. She wants to defend her belt against all comers. Now, I have a question for you. This was another not. This was the another non-title match. Do you think? What do you think about? You know. Here's the thing. Obviously, it didn't matter in the end because Ayaka won. But again, uh-huh. say Ant the Rocket had won this, and it's a non-title match. You gotta do a, a, an immediate rematch, right? Just like exactly, you would have to do an immediate rematch, and if and if. Ryzen 18 would have ended with two non-title finishes. Obviously, the obviously the underdogs going over the favorites, the un, the jobbers going over the champions. I mean, do you think that there would have been like an elite XC situation on Ryzen's hands where they probably would have shut down everything after you know the two two of their top fighters, two of their champions lost to these no-name competitors, I mean, not to disparage them, but do you think that we would have seen an Elite XC situation on our hands? I mean, it would have put Ryzen in a very awkward situation for their, for mm-hmm. two of their, of their, two of their top fighters, champions, to lose back-to-back. You know, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Well, I shouldn't say it didn't happen. It didn't happen for the first one, but it happened for the second one. But again, I think it's another reason why you can't listen. If, you, if your champion's gonna be in title, is gonna, your champion's gonna fight. They have to put up the the, the belt all the time, no matter what. Um, uh, basically, be fighting champions wherever they go. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Clearly, you know, I think that probably the 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 person who's gonna challenge uh, Hamazaki next will probably be the winner of Ham and Miyu Yamamoto. So that's probably what will happen. I don't know if they're gonna have a fight in between now and then. Um, but what about Amp the Rocket? What do you do with Amp the Rocket now? Well, shit. To be honest, I wouldn't say bring her back to the Full Metal Dojo, but you know, John Nutt has turned that. I mean, I don't know if he's set to bring the Full Metal Dojo back, but he's been doing this Kumite shit. I mean. He's been trying to make this Kumite shit work, but so far, nothing. Because the Full Metal Dojo's last event was back in November. And I think it was on the weekend of a UFC fight card. I remember watching it because it was the weekend of my birthday, my 26th birthday. <laughs> but still, point of the matter is you can't really send Suwanon back to Full Metal Dojo because that promotion... Who knows if it's ever coming back. But as far as Deep Jewels goes, you can send her back there. You can have her compete in a few more matches against some lesser name competition and potentially fight the winner of Emi Tomimasu versus Tomo Maisawa for the Animate belt. What about Amp versus Kana Azakura? Oh no, you don't want that to happen because Kana Asakura 
would just flat out destroy Amphsuanan. I'm not so sure. Amph, I don't know. Amph looks very good on the ground. I think, I don't know, that's a tough, that's, I don't know, I think you're underselling Amph a little bit. In that case, in that fight. Um... What about, do you think she'll ever make it to Invicta? I think that she would, but you have to also worry about visa issues and stuff. Well, if she's from Thailand, I don't know if it'll be that much of an issue. Hopefully not. Um, um, but, um, I mean, yeah, this match lasted the first round. It was like, it wasn't... It, it, I think it lasted a little bit longer. Yeah, it was, it was 3 minutes, 29 seconds. Um, so, obviously, it lasted longer than the main event. But, um, I mean, Ayaka Tamazaki is continuing that, that, that massive winning streak. You know, whoever beats her, you know, is going to... I don't know. Like, I don't know who could beat her. You know, I think... I mean, can anybody beat her at this point? I think, I'll be honest, I think the only one who might be able to beat her might be Miyu. Because Miyu is such a... Are you, are you fucking kidding me, dude? If Miyu... He's 44 years old. If Miyu can hold her down for all for championship rounds for all that time and make sure Ayaka doesn't get a submission in, I think that Miyu could win that way. I think that Ayaka... Will beat Ham again, considering that it's already two that she's already two and zero against Ham. I don't think that Ham has, you know, will be any. I don't think the outcome will be any different this time, uh, if that happens. Right. Of course. But now that we pretty much finished up talking about Ryzen eighteen, I have a few things to ask before we you know, close the book on this podcast. First of all, what are your thoughts? I mean, you heard what I had to say about, you know, people who think rising fights are fixed and all that shit. What are your thoughts? Uh, they're pieces of shit. They gotta, like, stay in their, stay in their lane. I don't know if they're UFC fans or whatever. We're probably just, like, just UFC fans or Connor fans, but, you know... Stay in your lane. They're too stupid to be Zupa zombies. Let's just say that. Exactly. They're not MMA fans. I don't know what they are. It's You know, here's the thing I've always learned. Stay in your lane. If you don't know shit about something, stay in your lane. Because you're going to sound more stupid when you open your mouth. And, um... I guess I should bring it up, you know. Remember I did read that one tweet from that guy who posted that, uh... That this was... That he believed it was 99% of work. Well, I retweeted it. And then the guy took down his entire Twitter. And I hope, <laughs> I hope that he wasn't harassed to the point that he had to do that. But then T, uh, our friend Tita Junk said that it may have been a dupe account of somebody else, a burner account, Probably I guess. So. It's possible, but so. listen, you know, no matter how stupid you are, unless you're peddling like like stuff that's like, you know, anti-vax stuff or something like that, then I don't think you should be harassed. You know, if you're like you believe that an MMA fight is fixed. Okay, fine. You're 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 stupid, you know. But that doesn't warrant harassment. Um, mm-hmm. I you know, again, these people gotta stay in their lanes. You know, you don't know if you don't watch JMMA, you don't watch J Kick, you don't watch anything outside UFC or anything outside the Western MMA sphere. Then don't watch. Then don't comment on it. 
You, you hmm. gain nothing if, from it. Basically, if you think that Japanese, if you think that promotions like Ryzen should end up fighting in cages more instead of, you know, being free to fight in the ring, then what the fuck is your point? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Trust me. Listen, do you think that they, that Ryzen would would fix a fight to have to have a main eventer to have their guy who who's been undefeated in their who's been undefeated uh in in their promotion has dominated everybody and then they're gonna have him lose in one minute just to do a redemption angle? This is a new fucking this is a new fucking new Japan. Okay, there's a better way. Listen. There's better ways to fix fights. That's all I always say is that there's always better way to fix to fix fights. If you if you gotta do something as stupid as that, then that's not how you fix a fight. You make, you fix a fight so exactly. that you fix a this isn't the old days of boxing where people are taking dives, the paid dives. Okay, Goji Araguchi has has what you gonna you think you're gonna have your he's gonna lose he's gonna uh, He's gonna negatively affect his record just to do a redemption story. Give me a fucking break. Exactly. Um. Uh, what? Well, yes. Another thing. Yeah. I want to ask Andrew is, I seen something recently about, you know, the money team Japan saying that Floyd Mayweather is gonna come in for this luncheon or whatever. In about a few weeks' time, do you think that will lead to anything? Oh, I don't know. Wasn't he supposed to work with some other boxing promoter in Japan or something? I don't know. I, I know. I no, said... he was supposed to work with Tony Hara of K1. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I know that Sakaki Bar also said for the new for their New Year's Eve show they're doing something different as well. And here's the thing as well, people, you know, he specifically mentioned Floyd, he specifically mentioned, well, he said that, you know, he's not opposed to using Floyd, Manny, or Connor, and then, you know, people started speculating, oh, is Floyd going to come back, is Manny going to come back, Manny never fought in a rising ring, just let everybody know, and neither has Connor, obviously. Um, interestingly enough, though, Connor was in the news apologizing for his uh, erratic behavior recently, so, I don't know, take that for what it's worth, I don't, I don't think the two are connected, but... You know, I don't think it's anything. You know, it's just this is just Mayweather expanding his businesses. You know, just looking for may, way, more ways to make more money so he could pay off his alimony and his and his whatever his uh his debts are to society, um, and his private debts as well. Um, yeah, I I don't think it's. I mean, you know. Sorry, Christian. Go ahead. Thanks. Do you think this might lead to something with Ryzen and Delahoya? I don't think so. I honestly don't think so. Listen, it's I think I think people are really overthinking it. I if it was, I think we would hear more about it now. But we were just hearing that that he's going to be in Japan. You, you listen. <laughs> we would hear more more rumblings about you know them. Doing something, we either hear from De La Hoya himself, or maybe from Floyd. For Floyd, Floyd has no problem. Listen, Floyd. Floyd said he was fighting in Japan, like what was it? Like in the fall, in the summer, and we should have all made the connection that, like, oh yeah, he was he was gonna do something for Ryzen. Um. So yeah, listen. If if, if something was gonna happen, I think that we would have probably heard by now. Honestly, you have any thoughts on that by any chance? To be honest. 
I really don't, but you know what it is? I mean, if Floyd Mayweather does something and he ends up making it successful, it is what it is. But if he's only going to be there to flaunt his money and flaunt how much cash he got and basically put over his struggling son's rap career, King Quran or whatever the hell his name is, would rather rap about Raxton than about wrapping up the gloves and fighting like his daddy, then what's the point? Yeah. I mean, if anything, the money team is a waste of time. And if they're not going to do anything to take advantage of, you know, potentially making millions off the fight game in Japan... Well, what would be the, okay, what would be the well, okay, so here, Tokyo? okay, here's the only other thing I'll say as well. So Japan is probably going to be legalizing gambling. It looks like in the future. So maybe he's just trying to get in on some of some of that as well, um, since gambling in Japan has been illegal. Well, pro, uh, uh, for I think as long as the country's as you know for like a long time. Um, other than that, though, sorry, what? Sorry, Christian, Christian, could you repeat that again? Hmm. So you think he's basically making a the business opportunity? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. If he's, if he's, if that's 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 the that's the most that he might that he's gonna be doing. Um, I think I don't think he's gonna do anything involved with Ryzen or anything of that sort. Maybe he's gonna start like a betting, you know, some sort of like. Betting thing or anything like that. I have no idea, but yeah, I don't think it's had it's fight related. Hmm. So he's basically taking. So you think he's basically taking advantage of business opportunities? Of course, yeah. Why not? It's Floyd Mayweather. He's the type of guy that does that. <laughs> of course, of course. And one more thing, and again, I'm sorry for the background noise. I mean, it's just. It's just crazy when you have more than four people in the house. Actually, I got six, myself included. But still, one more thing I'd like to ask. Bellator has... No, wait, actually, one more thing. Ryzen is possibly thinking about having, you know, an event card. Well, actually, a dual event weekend on October 12th and 13th, which would possibly include Ryzen 19, maybe Ryzen 19 and 20, maybe Ryzen 19 and a Yarnoka card. But do you think that if that were to happen, would that free up Ryzen and Bellator for a possible deal to have Ryzen, well, to have Ryzen give up their December 29th spot? In the Saitama Super Arena to Bellator. Oh, I don't know. Well, I've heard I've heard so many different things. I've heard that like um, that there's gonna be a that they're gonna do like Dynamite did one time where one day was a cage, the other day was a a a, a, a ring or something like that. The Dynamite did. Yeah, something. and they basically done well with that. You know, having Glory kickboxing work before, you know, having their own in-house event. Yeah. Um. Giving up an entire day, I don't know. I think if anything, it'd be more kind of a co-promoter thing. Having, you know, mixing, matching of fighters and fights, that sort of thing. I don't know if they... Would, does Bellator really want to come all the way to Japan? I'll be honest, I don't even know if Bellator airs in Japan. I don't even know if Bellator is even known in Japan. 
that'd be quite a risk. You know, just saying, you know, I mean, obviously they would piggyback off of Ryzen, but I can't believe that they would, that, that Bellator would singularly have one show at, in, at the Saitama Super Arena. Um, especially on the, on, on, on the, so if they do the 29th and the 31st, the 29th usually tends to draw less than the, uh, than the last day for obvious reasons. I don't know if they, you know, I don't know. I can't see them doing that. If anything, it'll be a Ryzen, a Ryzen X Bellator show where we'll just see a little bit of everything. I think. What do you think, Christian? Mm -hmm. I think that if, if it does come to fruition, you would probably see like a, you know, Bellator, you would probably see a Bellator versus Ryzen card, not so much a cold collab where it's Ryzen fights and Bellator fights. You know, happening at once. But I do think that if there were to be such a thing to happen, it would basically lead to Ryzen versus Bellator. Oh, yeah. I could also see that as well. Forgot about that. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Mm hmm. But other than that, you know, it's been fun doing this despite the connection issues on my end. And. Another podcast is done, and now we got so much time to think about between now and Ryzen 19, because Ryzen 19 is going to take place regardless, regardless of what we, regardless of what we think, on Saturday, October 12th, at the Eon Arena in Osaka, and that event will be live on Fight TV around the world at midnight Central Time, 1 a.m. Eastern. 10 p.m. Pacific, the rest, y'all can check y'all local, you know, cable guides or whatever. Just before uh, before we, we go into the plugs, Christian, I uh, just wanted to give my overall thoughts on the card. I thought it was good, not as good as Ryzen 17, but also I wanted to uh, to pass on to you what your fight of the night was and your performances of the night. My fight of the night? Most definitely. It went to... Victor Henry versus Trent Gerd on my performances of the night. It's a three-way tie. Manel Cape, Kayasakura, Ayaka, Hamasaki. Oh, very good. Very good. So, obviously, as I said before, Victor Henry versus Trent Gerd on my fight night as well. And my two performances of the night go to Victor Henry for the inverted triangle choke because I'm always amazed whenever I see a rare submission. And, of course, Kayasakura knocking out Kyoji Horiguchi because, let's be honest, that will probably be the one thing that everybody remembers from this one show. Not that this was a bad show, but, you know, that's this is a case of where, you know, let's be honest, nobody remembers the Conor mcgregor Jose Aldo card except for Conor mcgregor Jose Aldo. That's what everybody, what everybody remembers. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's how the MMA world works. Um, but, yeah. And just to... to not only the team SFS girls losing, but it also went to the no contest between Ochi and Brooks because I really think that the Scorpion Fighting System team got fucked over. <laughs> no Vaseline, basically, by, you know, the Japanese judges, even though, yeah, they were both, I mean, both Tabitha Watkins and Alicia Zapatella, you know, were dominating, were dominating their respective fights. Um, you know, but obviously nothing, 
I mean, that didn't really pale in comparison to the loss, I mean, to the contest that Jared Brooks and Harbaugh Olchi had, and they definitely need to run that fight back. Oh, yeah, right now, like, I mean, here's the thing. There's been some boring fights and some disappointing fights. Clearly, this will be the worst fight Ryzen has unless they, uh, Unless they bring back Osuna Rashi or uh, Fat Mongolian and Sumo Guy. So, unless, like, you know, there's a, a, a. Like, I guess the only comparable worst fight would probably be the Nakamura Top Noi fight from uh, Ryzen 16. But other than that, you know, like, obviously a fight that's, that, that starts and ends in 10 seconds in a no contest due to accidental headbutt. Yeah, that's not a fight, and it's worth calling it the worst fight. And it's not because of the performers, it's just. The outcome. Yeah, because you expected more from that fight, and instead you only got like 10 seconds of action. Oh, exactly, exactly. And of course, if everybody wants to uh, rewatch this uh, Ryzen card, they can go to fight.tv on the app or their website and order it there through those weird credits uh, that uh, you can obtain or by playing, I think it's. Was it nineteen ninety nine or was it twenty nine twenty four ninety nine? It was nineteen ninety nine or twenty five credits. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes. And also, if you love Fight TV so much and you know don't really care what their future holds, if they you know get eventually owned out by a certain big fed in Stanford, yeah. you'll go to Fight TV on social media. You'll check them out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And tell them how much you enjoy them. Tell them that you're excited for anything on their fight schedule. And also, just simply support them. Because even if they do get owned by that crazy-ass billionaire in Stanford, Connecticut, please note that Fight TV fans are some of the rowdiest, proudest, most craziest fans in all of combat sports. And that's not just coming from us. That's coming from every fight promotion and pro wrestling promotion that have worked with them and every promotion in between that has worked with them so if you support fight tv be sure to tell them how much you love them and how much you want to see them succeed because they get owned out by that man then meet Mahan. you know that might that love probably might not be as manufactured as it is now uh, before we go, though, I'm just going to read some, uh, um, I did read the feedback on the other, uh, portion of, uh, uh, of the, uh, uh, Ryzen 18, Kaisekura, uh, Kyoji Horiguchi portion, but I'm just going to reread, um, uh, the feedback that we got for this show. Uh, comment, uh, uh, first comments from Summer Zolo at Mr. Valence, uh, thought the monkey dude killed the intro and that the English Ryzen Twitter got him all hyped up when he knew nothing about him. Shame about the headbutt. Plenty of action all night. Kyoji broke his heart. Broke his or her heart. And a rematch is needed. Fight of the night goes to uh, with Charles Fraga, who's at Fragnificent KW. Fight of the night, Henry Gurdum. Forces of the night go to Kai. Judges got uh, split decisions right. Kai and Gucci running it back on New Year's Eve. Oh yeah, so I basically pose the questions. Well, your fight of the night, thoughts overall, performance of the night, entrance of the night. What do you think of the split decision fights? And who won those? What's next for Kai Zakura and Kyoji Horiguchi? Um, Summerzola also wrote, Why are karate guys, even the good ones, so prone to being knocked unconscious? And then MMA Fanboy Law at MMA Fanboy Law writes, Fight of the Night, Henry 
Henry versus Gurdum. KO of the night goes to Kai and Cape. Performance of the night, Kai. Sub of the night, Henry. Entrance of the night, Jared Brooks. Kyoji versus Kai 2 for the Ryzen belt in late of this in later of this year. Oh yeah, so yeah, Jared, Jared Brooks does get the entrance of the night due to coming out to the DC boys. Exactly. I can't agree with that. My my entrance of the night would be Jared Brooks. And a close second would be John Wayne Paul for coming out to the previous number one song in the world, Old Town Road by Lil Nas X. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, do you want to do maybe like should we start doing a uh, a music music of the night or theme of the night where they come out to like you know they may have the best entrance but not come out to like you know they come out to something like DMX or something I have to give them like the automatic win. Yeah, but if they come out to Lord give me a sign, you know it's best to figure out something else because after DMX got locked up things changed. Yeah. On and just what you know as well, we both were nine and nine on this show. Got nine correct. Yeah, nine and nine with one no contest. Yes, exactly. We're nine and nine, one no contest. Exactly. Um, I mean, you're talking about combined, right? Oh no, no. We I got nine right, and you got nine right. So you're saying you got nine right, I got nine. Sorry, could you could you repeat that one more time? Andrew. Sorry, repeat that one more time. So you're saying. So you're saying we both got the same amount of fights right? Yes. And the only one we got wrong was the Brooks Oshie fight. Exactly. Well, well, no, because well, you got the uh, the Ozaki uh, Shota match wrong. I got the Zapatella uh, Azakura match wrong. We both got Par wrong, and we both got obviously the main event wrong. Damn. But I'm only counting wins, so we got not. Yeah. We were correct nine times. Of this uh, on the show, both of us. Okay, understood. But huh? still, that's just about it for us for now. Let me go ahead and run through the plugs. You can check out the show page at We Are Rising Pod W E A R E R I Z I E N P O D all in one word on Twitter, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and hopefully soon, in addition to YouTube. We'll be available on all your favorite podcast places of choice. I keep saying that, but I want it to become true. I know you do as well. Focus fights. We cover all top prospects and all great fights from all over the world. The scenes of all the continents, with the exception of Antarctica, will be emphasized. You can follow them or follow us, really, on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Focus Fights. Hopefully, we can get our damn website back up soon. But you know, for right now, we just have those three. Oh, and also, you can check us out on Instagram too at Focus Fights as well. The MMA opinion, the best damn Facebook fight blog. Period. Facebook.com/slash MMA opinion. And of course, I already mentioned Fight TV, and I already mentioned our personal Twitter accounts. I'm at Chris Gary. You, Andrew Benjamin, are at Benja one We will be sure to follow you back. And until we hit you back in October for Ryzen 19, we thank you for listening to us on the We Are Ryzen podcast, and we're thankful you're a part 
Otherwise, inviting Federation, Fan Nation. So be safe, take care of yourself and others. And like Lenny Hart already says,